is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Hope you're having a great Tuesday. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily as we continue the week and get ready for a big bomber game Thursday night against the Montreal Alouettes. Um, Got lots to get to today. Um, we will take a little trip around the Canadian Football League uh, heading into this week with John Hodge from Three Down Nation. And then we'll probably have a plenty to talk about with Mike McIntyre. I know Mike was down at Southwood this morning speaking with Morgan Barron and uh, Manitoba amateur champion Braxton Kuntz of uh, Breezy Bend who will both be teeing it up in uh, the big tourney coming up uh, this weekend, the, play, the uh, Manitoba Open. Um, and we'll, Logan Stanley's got a deal. We will certainly get into a little bit of Jets talk as well as Bombers. Um, later on today, a huge series for the Jays get going tonight. Uh, my guy, Kikuchi, on the hill tonight against the Baltimore Orioles. We'll take a look at the... Uh, very interesting AL wildcard race and much more. But um, we're going to get into uh, some Jets topics. And we've got some interesting stuff from Frank Cervelli to kick the show off as well coming up in just a moment. Uh, before we bring in Michael Remus, a big shout out to everyone with us live on YouTube. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Whether you're watching us live or catching the show later on, Make sure you've hit that red subscribe button and join us as we approach 10,000 subscribers and tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk as to where they can get us. And everyone on the podcast, thanks for making us a part of your day as well. Feel free to, maybe when you get back, check the uh, video content we're putting out as well at YouTube. And uh, if you haven't seen where you get the podcast, YouTubers, just put Winnipeg Sports Talk in wherever you get it, and I'll be there for you fresh right after we finish the show in time for your drive home from work every day if you're working a regular 8 to 4 or 9 to 5. Um, big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Boston Pizza and Royal Sports, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Nick and Nikki DQ and F Apparel, Modern Man Barber Shop, uh, the uh, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club Whiskey, of course, our friends at Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs, and of course, our friends, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, who are back at it again tonight as they continue the final homestand of the regular season throughout this week uh let's get remo in here and get this show on the road what's going on hey feeling good ready for another tuesday shout out to all caps kyle and chad has says he's trying to mount his phone on his lawnmower to watch and listen to the show at the same time he says don't worry he's got a rider mower not one of those push mowers so no i don't think any toes are in danger here <laughs> All caps, Kyle, what a beauty. He came out. We had a great time on uh, Friday night at the uh, Bomber Watch Party, along with, uh, and again, shout out to everyone that popped by. It was great to see so many WSTers. Looking forward to uh, a few fun Jets Watch Parties this week, or sorry, this year. We'll work on that. And uh, as I say, we're working on a few really exciting, fun things for the channel and the crew uh, which we'll let you know in the upcoming weeks here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. But, uh, but yeah, Kyle, we got to see uh, meet Kyle's wife as well, which was really nice. 
Um, and again, just always fun to get together with the group. Speaking of the getting together with the group, I will plug this right now a little earlier than we normally do. Tickets are now out, and they're going quickly for the Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Night at Little Brown Jug on September 13th. This is our third event. We did one right around this time last year. We did another one in March, and uh, we're going back to where it started, which was that beautiful outdoor patio at Little Brown Jug. Listen, if it's nice enough, we'll be outside. If it's not nice, we'll move it inside like we did uh, during the uh, the winter session. Um, but because space is limited, we ask jump on that link right now. It's in the description of this YouTube video. And if you're listening to the podcast, just go to winnipegsportstalk.com. There's a link right up at the top of the page. Count yourself in. Get your crew together. Usually the teams are sort of between three and five people. Uh, was a really, really, the first two have been so much fun. Fun to curate the questions, but also fun to get everyone together. And both of them have been really, really tight. So we hope to see you there. That'll sort of be the next official WST gathering before we get into hockey season. Just on that, Huss, um, I'm on the Eventbrite link, again, in the description of this video or at the top of winnipegsportstalk.com. Eventbrite has designated this a popular event. And if you're watching, I hover my mouse over. That means most of the events, tickets are already sold. Get yours before they sell out. So incredible response. And we just put this out. Uh, excited to be, you know, last um, one, I w- was in the middle of a fantasy baseball draft while I was there. This, I won't be doing that this time. So excited <laughs> to be more engaging and not seated at a, at a table on a laptop. Uh, well, but- I, I really enjoy, I mean, both of them have been so much fun. And, and again, I mean, much like, you know, last Friday, um, you know, at any of the things that we've done so far, you know, this show, while, you know, it's sort of weird, you know, we're doing it from, you know, remote locations, but it seems like particularly this chat on the YouTube brings everybody together um, and they become friends. <laughs> They've got their mm-hmm. own relationships through it. Um and uh, there's nothing better than get everyone together. And hopefully we'll be doing that in person at some Jets games this year. Uh, we'll let you know about that in the coming weeks or so. And then, you know, of course, maybe a few watch parties as well. But the sports trivia, people really did like it. Um, I know everyone that's been at the ones before or planning on coming again. There's lots of people that haven't yet. I've had more feedback just from mentioning that we were doing it for this one than any of them before. And I guess that makes sense now that it's a little bit more established. But yes, wanted to just mention that right now. Get in, get your tickets right now before they're gone because we do have limited capacity for the event. Um, how was last night? Uh, what, uh, there was, it was a very, very lean sports night, Remus, but I mm-hmm. guess I, I, we probably shouldn't take the next hour and a half to lament the end of the Baltimore Ravens' incredible 24-game preseason winning streak. I will admit that was actually a pretty fun game to uh, pretty fun game to watch last night between the Commanders and the Ravens. You got the new owner out there, the new quarterback, and Riverboat Ron and the guys went through Joey Sly with that field goal at the end. But it was a pretty slow night. Things are going to pick up tonight. A huge game for the Blue Jays as they. Try and try and win a few damn games in the AL East. Kikuchi's on the mound tonight, so the Jays are going to be starting the uh, the, uh, the series against uh, the Orioles. 
We're going to get into the AL wildcard picture a little bit later on as we get down this stretch into the final month of the season. Um, but as far as the Bombers go, we're getting ready for, and again, we're going to dive into this more with John Hodge. Thursday night, short week for both the Bombers and the Alouettes. Zach Caleros back at practice yesterday. He will be the designated starting quarterback. And it looks like Montreal is going to get Cody Fajardo back as well, who's missed the last couple of games. So, uh, uh, listen, I'm hoping Zach and Cody are both ready to go. It'll make that Thursday nighter that much better as the Bombers get ready to uh, hopefully get up to 9-2, and two, get a few days off heading into the weekend, and then a big week of practice the following week for the biggest two weekends of the regular season, the home-and-home home with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yeah, as far as sports, last night I'm dialed into the baseball right now. I'm in the approaching the fantasy playoffs in one league, but I also got my eye on this uh, AL wildcard race, which has really heated up. Seattle um, is absolutely on fire here. They just swept the Astros. They won 14-2 over the White Sox yesterday, but, and the Jays were not playing. So you look at the wild card, and, oh, it's Seattle. One game up on Toronto, and Toronto has this series with Baltimore, and we know how terrible they've been against uh, the AL East. Uh, here's 11-23. and 23. Uh, It's not, not great. Not, not a great record against your own division, so uh, super important. And I didn't see too much of the, uh, of the football. 11-23 and 23 is just nuts. Like... Seattle's... Uh, by comparison, Seattle's like 12 and 15, Houston 11 and 10. I, I guess that's just against the East. We know the East is tough, but you, you think it'd be, you know, they need to be a bit better than that. I mean, even Yankees 15 24 against the East. I mean, they're really not great. And the Jays just haven't figured out how to hit with runners in scoring position. I haven't seen an update on Guerrero Jr., who left the game Sunday with a finger injury. They did get Bobby Shetback, who was. Uh, already, you know, off and running. So we'll see. And as far as the football, I mean, Caleb Evans, he led a, a game-winning drive at the end of the game against Ottawa, but Fajardo's been their guy. And I mean, you want to see, you know, two QBs, um, you know, two of the starters go head-to-head on the Thursday night, kicking off Week 12. Uh, someone told me it was the last Bombers Thursday game of the year. And personally, I love the Thursday I think that's night. Gregory Liverpool, who you've yes. been telling us over and over it's the last Thursday game because he doesn't like Thursday games. He what says, do you have to get up in the morning on Friday for Greg? I love it. I, I'm a big Thursday guy. We get to come on the show on Friday and talk about it. We don't have to wait until Monday. I don't know how everyone else feels. I'm a big fan of the I don't, Thursday. I don't have to use... Um, I, don't, I like the Thursday way better than Saturday afternoon, although the the ban- sorry, the uh, the banjable Saturday afternoon you can get used to, but I don't know. I'm I'm a like, big. Well, it's fa- everything's different once we get past next weekend. Like there's a pre Labor Day schedule. That's true. And there's a post Labor Day schedule. And in the summer, these Thursday games are awesome. And as they say, I'd far rather have a Thursday game. As much as I like watching the Sunday night games on TV, I think certainly this crowd, bomber crowd, people do take advantage of these summer weekends and leave town. Mm-hmm. Tough to get back for the Sunday games. Um, although credit to Saskatchewan. They had a hell of a crowd for that BC game on on Sunday. And listen, that 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 is great. But, hey, we got a good one this Thursday. I think the schedule, it's nice for the Bombers to play early considering that the Riders are on a bye this week. So they can take some time off as well and they get ready preparing for uh, for the big 
home and home. We'll get to more CFL, though, coming up with John Hodge a little bit later I, on. I will just chime in that Thursday is basically like Friday in the summer, and Sunday night is for sitting at home and watching TV, not not for going out in the summer. That's that's for me. So I was happy that the Bombers didn't have any of the Sunday night games, but uh, I have a mind of watching them on TV. That's our no, listen, CFL the, the schedule. The CFL schedule this week, honestly, this year so far has been great. I mean, I've always liked the doubleheaders, but having a game a night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, listen, it's been a huge win for the Canadian Football League. The ratings have been awesome, uh, and spreading those games out, I think, has really worked. The Sunday game particularly has been a success, and that's not something they've had in the past. Um, and now, you know, we'll get into the time where, you know, we kind of go for Fridays and Saturdays, and then the NFL gets going. You want to stay away from that Sunday. A lot of people, even the biggest CFL fans like myself, are big NFL guys, so... We're getting more football, and more football is a good, good thing. Speaking of more football, we started to dive into NFL futures on the lock shop today with uh, the voice of the CFL, Dustin Nielsen. Um, so check that out. Search lock shop wherever you get your favorite podcasts or uh, go to lock shop bets over on YouTube and hit us with the sub there as well. Um, Remo, let's quickly get into Jets, though. Um, you know, I saw a funny... It wasn't really a funny. It was a Sports Center segment last night with Frankie Carrado, who we've had on the program before. I really like it. He was talking about some of the Canadian team situations going into the upcoming year. And, uh, you know, he, as a former player, I think he painted a pretty good picture as to what the, what the first day of training camp is going to be like. And they started off talking about the Leafs and, there's a lot of people freaking out that Nylander doesn't have a contract. And, oh, by the way, he's got a 10-team no-trade that's kicked in. Austin Matthews has a full no-move that is kicked in right now. I mean, these both of these players could not have any more leverage on the Leafs than they already do. So we know those will be huge questions going, out, going on when everyone shows up. But I do wonder what is going to be... Uh, where there'll be more of a media frenzy or maybe a bit more of a circus. Will it be in Toronto where there'll certainly be more people there asking those guys their situation? Or will it be here in Winnipeg after an entire summer of trade rumors of Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck, both of those players likely here in Winnipeg talking about all of that on day one of training camp. And those aren't situations that are going away anytime soon. And how they're handled by both those players and the team, to be honest, I think is going to, in a lot of ways, set the tone for training camp in the early part of the season. Yeah, I think the Leafs have a lot of questions, Huss, with, uh, with Matthews and Nylander, UFAs, the lack of playoff success, uh, the you know changing in the front office, firing Dubas and uh, bringing in Brad for living. But a lot of questions here with the Jets, as we've basically been talking about Mark Schaefer and Connor Hellbuck since, I don't know, before the end of the season. I just, if you're asking me which one is, you know, going to be, what was the question? What was the term used? More, the most uh, chaotic? Chaotic. I still think Toronto, just because it's in Toronto. I think here, I don't know. I feel like it's in Toronto, there's been a lot of changes. Here it just seems like, prolonging the status quo is that accurate hmm well no i mean listen there's 
there'll be a bunch of new faces in here. I mean, in camp, and obviously, I mean, the three guys from the Kings coming in after the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade was pretty significant. However, I think we went into the summer thinking that there could and likely would be even more change. And I, I mean, listen, the Hellebuck, the Hellebuck rumors and story came more coming out of reports that, you know, he wasn't planning on signing an extension here in Winnipeg. I mean, the Shifley stuff goes back, frankly, uh, a, a year or two. Um, but particularly the way the last two seasons ended. I mean, two years ago, you know, Shifley, everything that he said, being really in stark contrast to every one of his teammates, what they were saying, and really coming across as, um, you know, as a little self-absorbed and not talking about the team at all for a guy that, you know, is technically a leader on the club. And then, of course, last year, the way everything just... Um, you know, I mean, it started off so well. The team was in such a good spot. And then, you know, you've got him going AWOL for a while after being benched by Rick Bonus, And, you know, obviously that was a big situation around the club. Now, we can't forget about Blake Wheeler being gone as well. I mean, Blake Wheeler got bought out. That cost them a lot of money. That alone, I don't think completely does everything they were hoping to for it to accomplish. But again... I mean, there's plenty of stories in and around the Jets. In, in fact, why don't we get this clip from Frank up, Remo, if you can. As Frank Saravelli on DFO was comparing the Flames and the Jets situation. Of course, the Flames, similar to the Jets, have a number one center that has an expiring contract. Um, now, the Flames have been engaging the Lindholm camp in contract discussions, negotiations, an offer, if you will. We haven't heard any of that as it pertains to Shifley in particular. A little bit of a different story with Hellebuck. Um, but here's what here's Frank's comparison of the Flames and Jets situation and uh, what they are dealing with heading into training camp and uh, the beginning of the season where the teams will be playing each other October 11th in Cowtown. I think they're absolutely between a rock and a hard place. I think their situation is worse than Calgary's mostly because I think we have an understanding that Shifley is probably not re-signing there. And we know that Hellebuck isn't, you have to find a way to replace those guys. And like Shifley could be a really good trade deadline piece, but what if your team's in the mix? Yes. What if Hellebuck plays your team into the mix? I just, could you see a, you know, a big Hellebuck trade before the deadline? I guess you could, but it's so rare. And the value isn't there. As you mentioned, teams don't like the idea of trying to rejig their goalie situation mid year. So there you have it. And, and I mean, Reem, that certainly no, is not anything different than we've been talking about for the last few months when it became more and more apparent that both of these players were coming back and the fact that there is enough talent in this locker room for the team absolutely to contend in the central and to be a playoff team. Um, and there's opportunity cost to every single decision that the general manager makes. There's opportunity cost to next season if you trade those guys. And there's also a cost to what assets might be available to come back to the club if you ride with them through the deadline, through a playoff run, and then have them sign elsewhere 
for nothing. Now, the Jets do have some talented young players that have been drafted that are poised to potentially crack the lineup next year. But, I mean, you're not you're not replacing Connor Hellebuck, certainly, by anybody in the system next season. And I think it'd be naive to think that any of the young players the Jets have picked would be ready to do anything or uh, even close to a Shifley role in a rookie season. So uh, Frank does mention uh, the uh, the predicament the Jets are in, and I'm not sure it's any clearer now than it might have been a few months ago when we were heading to Nashville with high expectations of what might happen at the at the draft. Yeah, one thing that him and Jason Greger pointed, and we've talked about this for a while, is how teams aren't looking to give up a lot for goalies, and the Jets feel like they have a chance to contend. And I, I agree. You look at the division, and the division they're in is not very good. It has Chicago and Arizona who are coming off tank seasons. Like, what's Nashville going to be? They didn't make the playoffs last year. St. Louis as well uh, was out. They added uh, Kevin Hayes in Los Teresanko. So I think the Jets feel like with Hellebuck, you got a chance to get into the playoffs, and who knows what would have happened if they would have had, uh, you know, been fully healthy as, you know, Shifley and Morrissey got hurt. I mean, it was got off to such a great start in that first game, Huss. Um, so maybe they are better off, you know, playing Hellebuck, getting into the playoffs, and if you're not going to get a return that you think you're, you should get, you know, you do. It does open up the cap space yeah. for next season. Uh, you know, if you lose those guys. So, again, storyline we're going to follow. We did talk to Jeff Hamilton, who thinks it's more likely than not that Shifley would get traded, like at the start of the year. Um, Frank says he feels like Calgary and Edmonton and Calgary and the Jets are are set from now until training camp. So I think this is something we're going to be talking about every day. Like, when's the first mid-season trade board? coming out because i'm already counting down <laughs> week two of the preseason um listen we're gonna get to john hodge right away but and we'll we'll kind of circle back with this with mike but to me maybe and we could talk about what like you know in comparing these three markets calgary toronto and winnipeg um i mean i can already tell you what the leaf guys are going to say they're going to say hey we're working on things happy to be the leaf we're focusing on the season Connor Hellebuck is going to say whatever Hellebuck says, which is always entertaining, but he's just focused on the next game and doing what he has to do. The interview of the preseason, I think, is going to be on Mark Shifley um, because of the offseason, how much we've heard his name mentioned, the way the last couple seasons ended, his contract scenario. And I think, I mean, we hopefully will get a upbeat and motivated Mark Shifley coming in with a great attitude for this camp. Um, but you, but you really don't know where he's at right now. Um, you know, with the club, with his personal situation, whether he was hoping to be dealt over the off season and what he thinks about going forward. I mean, let's not forget Jeff thought that there's a real will and want for Shifley to get a deal sooner as opposed to later and not risk injury. So uh, there's a number of sides on this. We'll talk about it with Mike a little bit later on. But we are going to circle through the Canadian Football League heading into this Thursday nighter with John Hodge of Three Down Nation. Just before we bring John on, it's uh, just about time for me to head over to uh, Modern Man Barbershops. I've gone back-to-back hat days. I think I... We'll try and get that done this afternoon or earlier tomorrow. Of course, it's easy to do it at Modern Man because they've got eight modern man barbershop locations now conveniently located through winnipeg including the newest locations 
on either Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man's got a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look, make an appointment at modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram at modernmanbarbershops. Um, our friends at Aquatech have had a very, very busy, busy season making people's pool dreams a reality. Still time to take the plunge and design your own custom pool. Working with the on-the-spot pricing with designers as well as financing options that suit you. And of course, whole home renovations start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. With limited install dates left though, Visit Aquatech in-store or online to learn how they can make your in-ground or above-ground pool dreams a reality. More info available at aqua-tech.ca. A few more great summer weekends left to go. Make sure you are powered right up, and the place to do that is Manitoba Battery, the local spot for the best prices and the best service in town on literally batteries of all shapes and sizes for anything. In the winter... Manitoba Battery will be getting their cars and trucks on the road and making it through the winter. Right now, though, whether you need a camper, a lawn tractor, a, a ATV, a Sea-Doo, a boat, Manitoba Battery literally has everything, and they'll beat the pants off the big box stores with the best prices in town and deliver it to you for free anywhere in Winnipeg with any purchase over 60 bucks. It's that easy. ManitobaBattery.com is where you need to go. Check them out, everything they've got going on. Of course, they're great staff waiting for you if you'd like to give them a call. And you can always pop by in person and see Donnie and his great staff at uh, 1026 Logan Avenue as well. And just before we bring in John Hodge, Thursday night, Bombers, Alouettes. I have a feeling there'll be a few Fridays taken off by fans that night. And I know that there'll be a lot of Canadian Club and Ginger in the stands as well. The uh, official drink of the summer from the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is there. Yeah, there'll be lots of CC port at the Rum Hut, but the CC and Ginger, a very popular drink among Bomber fans. And if you haven't had it, you can also pick it up at your local liquor store or vendor while the liquor stores are closed, available in cans and in six packs right now, the CC and Ginger. All right, big one tonight coming out of a fun weekend in the Canadian Football League. Let's bring in John Hodge of Three Down Nation. John, how are you? What's going on? Doing great, boss. Thanks for having me. God, you always come on. You, I, as I said before, it's like this Rod Smith voice, and that mic is so good. You, uh, you, you. If we're doing a mic power poll of all of our guests, John Hodge, Zig for Cassie, I think number one and two right now. <laughs> God, you sound good. Um, hey, just Appreciate be- it. Before we uh, get into the upcoming week in the Thursday game, what? Uh, what did you think of the Bombers squeaking one out, finding a way to win, defense and special teams getting it done, and thoughts on Drew Brown, who certainly, I mean, listen, he won the game, didn't do anything spectacular, but also didn't do anything to cost his team, unlike Jake Mayer with the crucial play of the game, and once again, Demario Houston being the uh, difference maker. Well, they didn't bring their A game to Calgary. I don't think, I don't think Winnipeg brought their B game to Calgary. I'm not sure they brought their C game to Calgary. This this was a D-grade effort, in my estimation. It was not an impressive performance from the offense. It was not a, a, an impressive performance whatsoever from the special teams. Special teams have traditionally been Winnipeg's, like the least of Winnipeg's concerns, at least since Mike O'Shea came to town in 2014. The cover units struggled. 
right? The the the, the net punting average from from Sean Jamieson was was miserable. I don't think it was his fault necessarily, but Tommy Lee Lewis certainly had the best of Winnipeg's cover teams. And then, you know, offensively, you mentioned Drew Brown protected the football. On the one hand, that's true. On the other hand, he's got Trey Roberson to thank for that because he put one right in the chest of the veteran cornerback who just happened to drop it. Ultimately, to me, that was the difference in the game was Demario Houston read the play perfectly on his pick six, adjusted to the ball, caught it, brought it all the way back. Trey Roberson got a gift from Drew Brown and and wasted it. And ultimately, in a one-point game, it does come down to those minute differences. So a win is a win. I'm not saying the Bombers should have lost that game. I'm not saying that it was a, an atrociously played game by the team all around. But this was very far from the best we've seen this team play. And uh, despite that, they, you know, I, I suppose I would to some extent say they were lucky to win that game because had the Stampeders played even decently, this would have been a loss, I think, for Winnipeg at McMahon Stadium. It did come down to a few real key plays. And you mentioned Roberson. Um, you know, uh, Haku uh, also had that brutal drop on what was it, the six-yard line where he could have just walked into the end zone. Yeah. I mean, that play, to me, I mean, that's a four-point That's a four point drop. They lose by one. Um, and there was a couple other plays like that. I, I will say this, though. I mean... The bomber defense stepped up, I thought, really well for the most part. I mean, there's a few plays, and yeah, maybe you get fortunate on one here or there. Calgary was two for 17 on second down. That's not good. And then when Shocking. it comes down, when it comes down to special teams, Ray Purdy's been one of the best in the game to do it for a long time. Just doesn't quite have the distance. And Sergio Castillo, I said this yesterday on the program. I mean, I have Medlock level confidence when Mike O'Shea throws Castillo out there to kick the football. Yeah, Sergio has been sensational for Winnipeg this year. Extremely consistent. I think he still only missed one field goal this year through 10 games. He's got at least one miss on an extra point, but he's been as consistent as anybody. And by the way, on the the league level, kickers, I believe, are on pace to set a new CFL record for highest field goal percentage league-wide. The field goals have been very good this season in general. But you mentioned Rene Paradis. I mean, he's inside 50. He's the greatest kicker of all time in CFL history. I, I certainly would put him there. The issue is exactly what you mentioned. It's the distance. He, I believe, has a career long of 53 to 56. Like He has hit a couple of longer kicks, but it was a windy night at McMahon Stadium. It did impact the game. Part of the reason the game was sloppy, I think, was that wind. And obviously, I mean, he missed two kicks. I mean, he tried eight, which is shocking, right? You, you mentioned two for 17, Calgary terrible on second down. And Winnipeg's defense, I should say, does deserve a lot of credit. You mentioned the Luther Hockenavanu drop. That was obviously an ugly play. Calgary had a number of drops from its, its receivers. Winnipeg had a few on the flip side as well. But when you lose a game, right, by one point, and you've had no... And this is also not new for the Stampeders, by the way. Their inability to get into the end zone. They have not had a passing touchdown in a month. Jake Mayer has gone four consecutive games without scoring a touchdown through the air. He's got eight touchdowns on the year to 12 picks. That That is, that is even a bad touchdown-interception ratio by the standards of 1972, right? It's now 2023. You expect starting quarterbacks to have at least a two-to-one ratio, two touchdowns for every interception. He's got a negative touchdown-to-interception ratio at the moment. So all in all, a sloppy game, 
right? One of these days when they write the history of the CFL, which will hopefully be a very, very, very long time from now, I suspect it will be. This is not a game they're going to talk about. Right? <laughs> this was, this was, this was, and Mike O'Shea described it as ugly. Like this was an ugly midseason slugfest played in poor weather and the Bombers should be thanking their lucky stars. They got out of it with a win. And at the end of the day, I mean, Mike O'Shea said this this week, they're not going to remember at the end of the season how this game went, right? They don't ask how, they ask how many. You got your two points, you got out of there, credit to you. And they won the season series against Calgary. Likely that that won't matter come the end of the year, right? There's now five wins separating the two teams in the standings. But a win is a win. The Bombers got it done. And uh, I'm sure they'll look to clean up a lot of their sloppy mistakes this week when the Alouettes come to town. Um, the uh, I mean, just staying in the West, uh, the Riders did the Bombers a favor on uh, on Sunday Cheers. night, beating the British Columbia Lions. Again, I mean, the fact that they, you know, there is the one game between them is great. If either team is one game above or behind the, the other going into October 6th, that game is still going to be for um, for the, the division right now. But um, what, the, what did you think about the Riders? Of course, we're going to see the Riders twice after Montreal. We'll get to Montreal in a minute. Um, but, like, I still think the Riders, for a five-win team, um, are not particularly better than many of the other teams that are below them in the standings right now. But, I mean, you get Keenan Schieffer, Baker back. Dolagala had, you know, was able to get into the end zone three times. Um, have the Riders turned the corner? How big of a win is that for Saskatchewan heading into the Labor Day Classic for them after their bye week? Well, I don't think you can understate it. For, for Saskatchewan, this is a team that, yes, came into that that game with four wins on the season. Those wins, two against Edmonton, one over Ottawa, one over Calgary in in overtime. Like, not exactly a murderer's row. Like, like the, the Riders had yet to beat what I would call a top-tier team in the league. And by the way, none of their games against the top teams were particularly close. They lost by 18 to Winnipeg. They lost by 10 to BC in a game where Vernon Adams Jr. got hurt. And they lost to Toronto by 18. Like they're getting mauled by the top teams in the league. So to not only get back to 500, put some breathing room between them and the Stampeders. Let's not forget the Stampeders now four games back of the Riders for third. That's huge for Saskatchewan. The season series is still up for grabs between those two teams. You can't understate it for the Riders, right? They've got eight games left. The schedule is not bad. Once the Riders are done, of course, with the back-to-back against Winnipeg that's upcoming. They're on bye this week. Then there's Labor Day Banjo Bowl, as always. You know, for, for them, I guess you figure you hope to split, go 6-6 six and six in the last third of the year, which, again, has a relatively light schedule. For the BC Lions, you're, you're right, Huss. There is still that fateful October game at Vancouver that will probably decide who wins the West Division. But you have to be happy if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers or certainly a fan of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this past week. Again, the team goes into Calgary plays a sloppy game, gets the win, and then the BC Lions lose. And I imagine that's a pretty conflicting feeling for Bomber fans, right? Because they're, they're, they're happy the Riders won, which is not a thing that they're used to feeling, right? Uh, very, very conflicted feelings, I'm sure, at Bomberland this I, past weekend. I found myself kind of still hoping that BC would come back and win the game, especially because <laughs> especially, especially they were up by 18. I'm like, oh, if for no other reason than just the joy of tuning into that Ryder post-game show, if they had actually found a way to lose, so that game would have been that good. Um, but go. hey, you know what? I think it makes the uh, it should make the environment around 
that Labor Day game even better because I know there was a lot of people that were down on the riders and listen, and we give them a hard time and it's fun to go back and forth. CFL needs that franchise, much like the Elks, to be a hell of a lot more healthy than they've appeared to be over the last couple of seasons. Um, and I'll say this, I thought the crowd was awesome. I thought they were into it on Sunday night. And I think it bodes very, very well for what should be an awesome, awesome weekend in about, uh, what, 12 days or whatever when these two teams go at it in Regina. Yeah, and, and Jake Dolagala could very well be the starter for that game. Mason Fine was originally announced to be out for two to three weeks with a hamstring issue, but he was placed on the six-game injured list. We know Trevor Harris is nowhere near back, so it's going to be one of those two. And if you're a fan of the Riders, then suddenly I think Jake Dolagala gives you some hope, right? There's not a lot of teams in this league that could win consistently with their QB3, and yet he went in, and he he didn't play – like he, he didn't blow the doors off, but he protected the football, which is the most important thing you have to do as a young quarterback. He he found some tight windows, right? That that touchdown pass to Kean Schaefer Baker, that slant play by the goal line was sensational. Firing that ball, just ripping that fastball through that window in BC's defense, because BC's defense is a very talented unit, and that's something that I think you know the Lions are going to have to tighten up. I mean, their offensive line was atrocious, right? Their left tackle, Kent Perkins was out of the game, but it was the right side of the offensive line with Kent Broxton giving, I think he took four holding penalties? Like, uh, un- unbelievable. And then getting beaten for sacks. Burton Adams Jr. cannot take that type of beating. So certainly the Lions have some reflecting to do. Fortunately for them, they're hosting the Hamilton Tiger Cats this week. I would not want to be the Tabbies going across the entire country you know, to, to, to face a very angry and motivated group of Lions who know that they can't afford to fall four points back at the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for first in the West Division. So definitely a good week for the Riders, tough week for the Lions, but I, I do think the Lions are a very good team. I think they're going to bounce back, no problem here, and uh, keep putting that pressure on the Bombers, forcing them to keep winning to stay atop the West for now. You know, I got a lot of love for the Ticat fans. I think that, you know, as far as the East, they're the most passionate. They always back their club. I mean, it's a gritty city, very similar to here. And I was feeling for those fans who, I have no idea why they waited out a, you know, almost two-hour rain delay to watch them their team lose to the Elks. Um, but you mentioned Hamilton going across to BC. I mean, that is an absolute mess right now. And I mean, obviously you lose your quarterback, lose a couple quarterbacks. It's probably not going to look very good. But um, what do you make of the Ticats situation right now, John, uh, coming off that embarrassing loss to a team that was over for an entire half season before they went into Ivor Wynn or Tim Hortons, I should say. I, I, I'm old like you, Huss. I still like to call it Ivor Wynn. Hey, I, I'm going to call it the MTS Center till the day I die. <laughs> but uh, as for the Ticats, I don't want to sound hyperbolic, but when I listen to Orlando Steinauer speak to the media, he sounds like a dead man walking. Like, he, he really does. He has a lot of weight, carries a lot of weight in that organization. And yes, it is an organization that has been, uh, at, at least people have, have, have speculated in the buzz and the rumors have always been that there is some meddling from up top in that organization. Uh, from team president Scott Mitchell. With that being said, Orlando Steinauer has the title of president of football operations, in addition to being the head coach. And they've got like three assistant GMs and the, the personnel side of it's a little bit of a mess. But Orlando Steinauer, the buck stops with him. And whether he went out himself and made these decisions or whether 
you know, people who, you know, work under him and he, he, he rubber stamps these decisions. They, the, the club's off season, which essentially saw them completely remake the roster ahead of hosting this year's Grey Cup, has aged like milk. Like, like Duke Williams, you know, ha, has had, you know, been a distraction for that team at times. Chris Edwards has been a huge distraction for that team at times, taking penalties. Boldy Vi Mitchell, three touchdowns, nine picks, then it gets hurt again. Right, like like these off-season additions that they made have not panned out at all, and this team is playing the worst football it has of the Orlando Steinauer era. Let's remember this team went fifteen and three in his first year at the helm in twenty nineteen, absolutely dominated everyone along the way, and and they've been been actively bad this year, really really challenging. And by the way, their next five games they've got BC, Toronto, Ottawa, Winnipeg, Toronto. That gets them to the last four games. That is as tough a schedule over the next month and a bit as anybody has. And they're already three and six. They, the, the, the only thing they really got going for them right now, honestly, Huss, is that the Ottawa Red Blacks are three and seven. But honestly, between the two clubs, I think Ottawa is the better uh, of the two at the moment. And um, if this team does not make the playoffs, I, I would even go as far as to say if this team doesn't win a playoff game, I thought there would be changes made unless something drastically changes, which I don't see again, because of the way this team has looked because of the tough schedule they've got coming up. I see this team making major changes this off season. And that seems to be something that Orlando Steinauer is aware of judging by the way and the tone in which he is speaking to the media. Yeah. And, and man, you mentioned Bo Levi getting hurt. I mean, we can't, can't overlook how he got hurt. Freaking victory formation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like lots of silly decisions. And again, some people will say, well, Hamilton has an excuse to be playing the way they are because, you know, Bo's been out. And it's like, okay, well, Bo Levi Mitchell also is one and two as a starter this year and has three touchdowns to nine picks. Like like, like the best quarterback was Matthew Schultz, who the team already had in-house. He won two of his three starts. Granted, yes, he got hurt as well. But this team is just a mess right now. And it's a mess at a time when they're hosting the Grey Cup. That is something that is hard to come back from when expectations are so high. This team hosted the Grey Cup in 2021 and got to overtime, right? Bomber fans obviously remember what happened at the end of that game. But the the, the fact that this team has stepped back so much over the last two years, I think, is going to cause fans there. And you mentioned there are great fans in Hamilton, right? You ask anybody who's had to go to Hamilton to play a game. Oh, they, they're learning new words from the bench that they can't repeat on TV from those fans there who are harassing them and saying horrible things about them and their family. Like, like Ty Cats fans are intense. When they get riled up, they get riled up. They support their team. They have forever, despite not winning a great cup now in almost 25 years. I see big changes in Hamilton, barring a shocking turnaround in the last half of the season. John Hodge, a three-down nation with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, Craig Smith, just uh, you know, in chat, what up, Craig? Um, ask you, uh, hearing any rumblings from about possible changes at the end of the year from the bottom clubs? We just sort of talked about Hamilton, but here we are heading into the second half of the season, John. When you look at the likes of, obviously, we've been talking about Edmonton all year long, and I mean, even though they have five wins, I will put Saskatchewan in that group and Calgary, who've had different... Uh, listen, Saskatchewan, I guess it's all going to depend on what happens in the rest of the season. But this was a make-or-break season for everyone there. I mean, who, uh, how active and uh, how much 
disruption do you think might happen in front offices at the end of this year for teams that have disappointed? I mean, we still have half a season to go, so I, I don't want to make any hard and fast predictions, but if things hold the way they are now, I would be comfortable predicting a wholesale change in Hamilton. I I, I don't think Calgary's going to make a coaching change. I mean, Dave Dickinson just got the GM title there. I will point out that the three teams who have head coach GMs across the league, or or in the case of Orlando Steinauer, head coach president, whatever that tandem even really means, are all bad right now, right? Are, are not currently scheduled to make the playoffs. I think that's something we need to look at is, is maybe the head coach and GM job should be two different things because it's not 1993 anymore. And there's a lot of work that goes into doing those two jobs. Well, um, I, I would predict that in Calgary, it's, it, it's going to be a quarterback change. I floated in my post game article this past week, possibly drew Brown goes to a situation like that. If not drew Brown, somebody else because Jake Mayer to me has been the biggest reason why that team has not played well enough this year to win because the defense and special teams in Calgary are, are perfectly fine. The ground game is good. The O-line's pretty good. The quarterback is the issue there. Um, in Edmonton, I would still predict we get a new head coach uh, for next season, but who knows? Chris Jones has coached himself out of some problems before. Um, and in Ottawa, I would predict right now we're not going to see any wholesale change except for maybe at the quarterback position, depending on what the future of Jeremiah Masoli is and whether or not he decides to try to come back from what has been another brutal injuries come back from two the last few years so that would be my short list right now I, I i see changes in personnel for hamilton and edmonton um off the field i think probably at, at this point in time i'd be comfortable predicting calgary and ottawa are more changes on the field you know just quickly on edmonton i mean there had been conflicting reports that jones was on a series of one-year deals victor Quee. The dearly departed Victor Kui said that, no, it was a four-year deal. Do we have any clarity as to what Edmonton actually has the ability to do, John? Because it's been well documented that that salary cap for coaching and management, um, in a lot of ways, because of how much is on Chris Jones's plate, makes it very, very difficult for them to to make moves, even if they wanted to, because of what they've committed to, the guy that's the president, the D coordinator, and the general manager. Well, the reason the operations cap exists is essentially to rein in spending, right, on front offices. And one of the reasons the CFL wants to make that happen is to help expansion, right? You can go to a potential owner in Halifax and say, this is what you're going to spend on players, this is what you're going to spend on your front office. They don't want They don't want teams racking up massive bills in season, that are potentially inequitable, right, from teams that have lots of money to spend versus little amounts of money to spend. So for that, it makes a lot of sense. To me, the easy fix to this is just say, if you fire somebody, they no longer count against your cap, right? That's a very easy fix that they could do. And to me, that's a change they should make as soon as possible to help teams get out from bad hires that they make. It's not an advantage, right, to be paying somebody to sit at home. It's not a competitive advantage. It's a, it's a self-imposed punishment, essentially, for a bad hire. Here's the thing with Chris Jones's contract. Both of the things that you said are correct because when Chris Jones was hired, he was hired on four one-year deals. Victor Kui, when he gave his interview uh, four, six weeks ago, whatever that was, no longer with the team, by the way, he said that that, no, no, his deal is a traditional four-year deal. That's because Victor Kui redid the deal this past offseason. So Chris Jones had a, a four one-year deal contract in 2022, come 2023, he's got more security. He's got a traditional four-year deal. 
I was told there is a buyout that the team can still implement to get rid of Chris Jones. And reportedly, that is the amount of essentially one-year salary. So if they were to fire Chris Jones right now, they wouldn't have to pay him through 2025, but they would have to pay him through 2024. So that is the reason for the confusion around Chris Jones' contract because the, the initial reporting was correct and Victor Kui was correct when he did his interview. However, the contract itself was changed this past off season because Victor Kui was bullish on the changes that Chris Jones had made and felt the need to give him more security. Personally, I would argue that that was probably foolish in hindsight. Victor Kui probably realizes that was foolish in hindsight, given that the team started 0-9 this year. But that is what happened, and that that is why this has been so confusing for so many fans, because the team did not make any type of announcement when, in fact, Chris Jones's deal was changed. Hey, uh, John, just quickly before we go, uh, what do you expect Thursday night when uh, looks like Cody Fajardo and the Alouettes come in to take on Zach Caleros in the Blue Bombers? I think we're going to see a Winnipeg win here. Uh, the, the line is really big. It's eight and a half points for Winnipeg. I, I think if Cody Fajardo is under center for the Alouettes, and you're right, it appears he will be, I would be tempted to take the Alouettes against the spread. But that said, I think Winnipeg realizes that there was some luck in last week's game. I think they're going to be more. I think they're going to be motivated to show that that was a one-off. I think they're going to play a lot cleaner football. Obviously, having Zach Kolaris back in the lineup can't be understated. He's the two-time reigning MOP of the league for a good reason, and and I think right now should be the MOP certainly in the West Division, if not the CFL, just based on what he did through the club's first nine games. So I think the Bombers are going to come out sharp. And let's also not forget the Alouettes just played in Ottawa on Saturday. So they're they're traveling halfway across the country on a short week. That's always a disadvantage. So I'm comfortable taking the Bombers straight up against the spread. I, I think if it's over a touchdown, I'm happy to take Montreal. If that line comes down to a touchdown, I'd be happy to take Winnipeg against the spread. I think we see them win by those seven points. John, great stuff. Uh, keep up the great work over at Three Down. Looking forward to this week. And then, of course, the biggest two weekends of the regular season, Labor Day and a rematch weekend with the Banjo Bowl here in the peg. I know you guys will have a ton on it over at the site. You be well and have a good one. Thanks for having me, Huss. Anytime. Good stuff. There is John Hodge. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at John D. Hodge and check out all of his work along with Justin Dunk and the rest of the gang over at Three Down Nation. All right. Mike McIntyre is teed up, if you will. And uh, we might actually hit a little bit of golf with Mike in a couple minutes. Uh, just before we do that, though, a big thanks to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market with great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, too. Six locations and online at their fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. Still plenty of time left in grilling season. Nothing like those delicious Vitamarket grass-fed bison and beef steaks. You can wash those down with some sober carpenter beer or Santa Cruz lemonade. And if you've been staying active this summer, which I hope you have been, if your joints and muscles are sore, try taking Health Curcumin Supreme Extra Strength. It helps ease pain and inflammation, and you only take it once a day. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Um, our friends at Wallace & Wallace have been all over the place. And you know what? Obviously, with them 
being a great supporter of ours, I maybe pay attention a little bit more. But it is amazing how when you drive around the city, the amount of fencing, especially temporary fencing for things going on in the city, have the Wallace & Wallace label on them. They really are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists since 1946. And as much as they can help you with whatever you need for your home or business, um, also, if you're having a wedding, a special event, something residential or corporate, they do all the temporary fencing around and can help you with that. And heck, if it's time to get a new garage door on the garage or with your home, they've also got the best selection of overhead doors in town as the exclusive Clopay dealer in Manitoba. Real simple to get in touch with them. Give them a phone call at 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team can arrange a timeout and give you a free estimate or an estimate on a temporary job. And you can also visit them at wallacefences.com or they pop down to their showroom on Lawson Crescent off of Keniston. Um, speaking of heading into fall, guys, how's the... How's the closet looking? If you need to up your menswear game heading into the fall, you need to get down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties. If you've got your big day coming up, get the guys looking great with suits they can keep after the fact, not return the next weekend. And, of course, you can find it all down at 190 Smith Street downtown. Make an appointment or find out more online at F. That's EPHapparel.com. And a big shout-out to Nick and Nikki, uh, Nick and Nikki DQ, supporters of ours since day number one. And uh, probably the most popular sponsor of Winnipeg Sports Talk for our listeners to support by popping in and jumping on one of those great summer blizzard flavors right now delicious stack burgers, chicken fingers, and more. Pop by and see them today. DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Niverville. And you can always hit them up for ice cream or blizzard cakes as needed on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. All right, let's bring in Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press to chop it up. Mike, how was the weekend? What is going on with you? Uh, really good, Huss. Little, uh, little breezy, little too breezy for my liking. Um, hopefully the winds calm down a little bit this week. Although it's always exciting to watch a golf tournament where it's howling and out at Southwood where I just was earlier today. Uh, if the winds pick up at Southwood, the, uh, the pros from the Canadian PGA are, well, they're in for a tough few days. Um, We'll see uh, it was pretty windy out there again this morning so we'll see what it looks like when they tee off on Thursday but yeah busy uh, busy week ahead a fun week ahead I um kind of on the trail of of the Stanley Cup I was uh out at Red River Community uh Center earlier today where Keegan Colasar has Lord Stanley and then tomorrow I'm actually heading out west uh and I'm going to be in Sioux Valley where Zach Whitecloud has his day with with the cup, that should be a, a really emotional day, I suspect, for you know a really neat story in Zach Whitecloud and guy that wasn't drafted was playing in the MJ to become a Stanley Cup champion. Uh, so I'm looking forward to to that. And then yeah, Thursday I'll be back at Southwood covering uh, the Manitoba Open, always one of my favorite events on the calendar. And there's of course a little Winnipeg Jets flavor to it. Morgan Barron is out there, and we we had a chance to speak briefly. 
with him this morning there you see look at his eye Huss. It, it's healed up really nice actually <laughs> you know he came on the show um geez i don't know a couple weeks ago three weeks so i think basically when he uh, got his deal and it was announced Contract, that yeah. he was going to be uh when he was uh, it was at the same time he was announced that he was going to be the player in the event and uh as I said, he was lucky that they had plastic surgeons. Good thing it was his in it was in L.A. Maybe than some other spots because, you know, yeah. for the amount of damage that that skate did, um, doesn't look too much worse for wear. Um, quickly, let's just talk about the uh, about this golf tournament. Um, you know, the Manitoba Open has had many different incarnations for you know for a number of years. It's back to being the Manitoba Open part of the Fortinet Cup, PGA Tour Canada, anyone that's been out there. I mean, the talent of the golfers on this tour, Corn Ferry Tour, I mean, many of them we see start off yep. here and end up on the PGA Tour playing against the best in the world. It really is a neat event in itself, but also great for many of the locals to get a, a chance. I mean, a guy like Morgan Barron or Shifley or Kyle Connor in the past has – it'll be able to maybe shine a little bit more of a spotlight on them and get some people out that might not normally do it. But to me, it's the young men like Braxton Koontz getting an opportunity to play at this level um, in championship competition. Um, that is really, really neat for, for golf here in our province that continues to produce plenty of really good players despite how long our winters are. Well, yeah, and you look at a guy that, you know, we've come to know really well the last couple of years in Aaron Cockrell. He was cutting his teeth on this tour a few years ago. Now he's playing a across the pond and, you know, he's made over $400,000 Canadian this year on the DP and he's had some PGA events, of course. So you're right. I mean, this is the next step. And a lot of these guys that will be teeing it up this week at Southwood, they'll be on the PGA in a few short years you got guys like ct pan who won the manitoba open a few years back he's a regular on the pga tour and there's a bunch of guys like that uh and so it's it, it is fun to watch and of course local guys it's always nice to have some local flavor braxton uh, he's a neat story he's won the manitoba amateur three times in a row he made his manitoba open debut last year huss and he shot four under par which is really good again considering who he's out there against. Unfortunately, uh, guys went really low last year and his four under was one stroke off the cut line. Braxton today, I asked him about that and uh, safe to say there's a little extra motivation, a little extra giddy up in his step this week. He'd love to be playing the weekend. Morgan Barron, uh, I don't think he's under any illusions, Haas, that he's probably going to be playing the weekend. So folks, if you want to get out and watch the Winnipeg Jet uh, tee it up, you might want to do it on Thursday or Friday as opposed to waiting for the weekend uh, because, look, as good of an athlete as Morgan Barron is and probably a better golfer than most of us, uh, the fact is he's out there against guys that are, you know, really a step or two away from being PGA Tour regulars. And the talent level, if you haven't seen it, and as you mentioned, Huss, you've been out there. I've covered it for years. Heck, I used to caddy in this event I honestly, I love this this week. Uh, I cat when I was a teenager. I used to caddy in the Manitoba Open, and that was back in the days when guys like Mike Weir, Steve Stricker, who has always been my favorite PJ golfer, uh, because 
I caddied three years in a row as a teenager for the same guy. His name was Barry Fabian. He was from Indiana. And his best friend on the Canadian tour was Steve Stricker. So I actually got to know Steve Stricker. We used to play practice rounds with him. Um, so I got to know him before he became, you know, a big PGA Tour star and always kind of had rooting interest in him. But yeah, there's some great talent out there. And let's hope the weather cooperates. That's always the big unknown. They've got some really neat additions to us. If you haven't been out to the Manitoba Open, they're kind of taking a page out of the waste management uh, in Phoenix where they have the big party hole on the par three. They're doing that on the 17th at Southwood. EJ, you know, beer garden, all that. Uh, it, it'll be a rowdy atmosphere and the pros are really looking forward to that. Um, you know, it's just a, it's a great way to see the next generation of stars and uh, so I'm looking forward to getting out there and, and covering it starting bright and early on Thursday. Yeah. So uh, do we know when Bo- uh, Barron's teeing off? The the tee times, I believe, will come out later today. Okay. Uh, so we don't know that just yet. Um, in the past, traditionally, they seem to have the Jets guys go, I think, Friday afternoon. So chances are he'll be a morning and it, it flips, right? My guess is that he's going to be off Thursday morning and probably Friday afternoon. Um, but we'll see, uh, and we'll see who he's grouped with. He might be with some of the Manitoba guys. By the way, shout out to Ryan McMillan and Travis Fredberg. There was only going to be one actual Manitoban in this event in, in Braxton Kuntz, uh, being the Manitoba amateur winner. Morgan Barron, kind of a, a, a de facto local guy. But yesterday, Monday qualifying, uh, Ryan McMillan shot six under par, and Travis Fredberg was four under. Both those guys ended up Monday qualifying. So just like that, we went from one Manitoba player to three, which is always nice and uh, great for those two guys to uh, get in the event as well. Uh, so yeah, there'll be plenty to, to kind of look for. Uh, this is also has the second last event of the season. Uh, they wrap it up next week in Minnesota. It's the Canadian PGA, but they're having a Minnesota event. And then it's off to what is essentially the FedEx kind of finals that the PJ has. That's in Calgary in a couple of weeks. So there's a lot of a lot at stake here. Guys are trying to get into the top 60 uh, because if you're in the top 60, you get into that final event. There's big prize money. And guys are also trying to get into, uh, I believe it's the top five. Could be wrong. Five, top five or ten. Uh, they get their corn fairy card for next year. So again, you talk about this being a feeder tour. There will be a bunch of guys that graduate from this tour right to the corn fairy next year. And then they are just that one step away. So a lot at stake. Uh, fingers crossed for some good weather. And uh, no doubt we're going to see some really good golf. Yeah, uh, just last one on the golf. But do we know how windy it's supposed to be on Thursday and Friday? Because you're exactly right. That th- That is literally two different golf courses yeah. when it's calm than when it's blowing and even the best in the world will have a real issue with southwood if uh if it's blowing i believe it's it's supposed to be a lot calmer than it has been of course we've had a really windy week i mean it was a i think it was last wednesday Huss. uh the winds were like gusting to over 80 i was actually talking to a member at southwood today who was playing i think it was their men's night last week the ball was, it was not, the ball would not settle on the green. Like the wind was blowing golf balls everywhere to the point that they probably would have had to pause play if the conditions were yeah. like, 
if I recall, Hus, did they not cancel the horse races last week? Yes. Of the win? Two, two days in a row. Right. The, First the, the smoke, the smoke then the win. And then the next day they got one one race in and then had to had to call it a night there as well. So all we're missing are the swarms of locusts. Uh and uh, which there's a lot of grasshoppers out there right now because it's pretty dry. So maybe we'll get swarms of locusts this week as well. But uh yeah, Mother Nature has been a little beastly, not just in our neck of the woods, but of course all around the world right now. So let's hope that uh, that things are a little calmer for these next four days. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, uh, Mike, I want to get to a couple Jets topics with you in a minute, but yeah. um, uh, just quickly, uh, thoughts on the Bombers coming uh, out of Calgary with the win. Uh, as we just talked with John Hodge, uh, certainly no Picasso but it counts in the win column. Uh, and, of course, going into this matchup on a short week against Montreal, looks like Cody Fajardo is going to be starting. Um, a big opportunity for this team to get to 9-2, and two, a nice extended break before a full week of practice and uh, a game that uh, means a little bit more than most during the regular season, certainly to fans on both sides when things get going for Labor Day. Well, yeah, and the Bombers should have no shortage of... of motivation as you say Huss, they, they certainly weren't at their best as a team now they also weren't at their healthiest a week ago Zach Caleros of course uh didn't even dress for that game but they got the W um you know they they don't ask how just how many and the Bombers keep racking up the wins and then of course with BC losing the other day to Saskatchewan it certainly opens up the world of possibility if you're the Bombers I mean talk about being in control of your own fate it's there for the taking for the bombers to you know get that first place by right into the west final um but they can't they can't look ahead to the you know labor day classic and the banjo bowl obviously with the rough riders because they've got a tough test coming up on as you say a short week here but they do have zach caleros back it would appear and that no doubt will will serve as um some extra incentive, some extra excitement, I'm sure, around the team, in addition to the fact that they just weren't their sharpest a week ago in Calgary, and no doubt they're going to want to put together a little more solid effort. So, yeah, it uh, it certainly is setting up nicely for the Bombers uh, to very much be in control uh, of their situation, which they are, and, you know, they're still finding ways to get wins even when they're not at their best, which is the calling card of a championship caliber club. And that's what this group is. No, they didn't win it all last year. They came one painful point away from the three-peat. But make no mistake, this is still a championship club, um, you know, nearly three-time championship club. And they've still got the, the majority of the guys, you know, the heartbeat, if you will, of that team. So they know how to get it done. Uh, it, you know, they fall behind. They, they obviously find ways to win. They're not at their best. They find ways to win. I'm sure, though, Haas, they would like to find a way to win this week, which looks like a complete 60-minute effort. And if they can come up with that, um, you know, I don't think there's a team in this league, given the talent the Bombers have, when they're at their best, I think the Bombers clearly are the best in the league. Uh, and we'll see if they can come a little closer to that version of the team uh, later this week. No doubt about it. And of course, uh, you know, the Argos might have something to say about that. Andrew Harris and the crew does come here September 29th in what should be a real special game. Hang tight for a minute, Mike. I, because speaking of this bomber game, just moving on to hockey in a second, 
Um, do want to mention Thursday night, uh, big game supporting the, uh, the honoring the military princess auto game sponsorship and the princess auto tailgate zone. It's going to get going at five 30, get there early for heading to the game, $3 hot, uh, 350 hot dogs, 350 pop, $5 beers, uh, get you nice and ready to get loud for seven 30. Uh, of course, princess auto proud sponsors of Winnipeg sports talk and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto, two Winnipeg locations, and shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Uh, know a lot of Bomber fans will be making the move from the Consolidated Supply Showroom on Niaqua down to the game. Joe's always there, spicy. I think Buck's going to make it in as well. Consolidated Supply are the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, new and used golf carts is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba, and have other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens, not to mention they are the leader in small engine parts and repair. Uh, so many services that Consolidated Supply can help you, your business, or your property, pop by and see them at the Consolidated Supply Showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. And hey, if, you, if you're going to the game, you got to make sure you've got your blue on. Need to upgrade that bomber gear wardrobe? Head on down to Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. A great selection, including many of exclusives you won't find anywhere else. And get ready for jet season with thousands of pieces of jets merchandise the upcoming nfl kickoff with all 32 teams represented at royal and of course with hockey season just around the corner a very busy hockey department right now as uh 40 years in the business as the local leaders in hockey it's all there for you see it for yourself 750 pemina highway and, of course, you can also follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. As I mentioned earlier, big series for the Jays getting going tonight in Baltimore. Kikuchi on the mound. No better place to get together with the gang to watch the Blue Jays than your local Boston pizza, home of Blue Jays baseball, ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, the latest from the BP feature menu, and hopefully a Jays win on the menu tonight. Hey, if you're staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, Mike McIntyre is with us from the Winnipeg Free Press. And, Mike, let's get back to the Jets for a minute. Um, I want to talk about the upcoming training camp and everything that might be around it when we all get there on day one. Um, but first and foremost, Logan Stanley signs a one-year deal I think I said last year, last week on the show, this is going to be a million bucks, give or take 50 or 75 grand on either side. Well, we nailed it right on it. No surprise. But what do you make of Logan Stanley's predicament, his situation with where he is on the organizational depth chart going into, I mean, a training camp that, you know, will have a lot riding on it, but I'm not sure, like put it this way, what would it take for Logan Stanley other than injury, to even be in the top six at the beginning of the season? I don't think there is anything besides injury uh, that, that would, you know, or illness um, that would get him in the top six. And, you know, his $1 million salary, um, is, that a, is that a salary the Jets would potentially try to move to the American Hockey League in terms of, like, is that salary prohibitive from a team putting in a waiver claim on Logan Stanley? 
maybe uh, if there's a team that you know they they because it's a, it's obviously more than the league minimum does does Logan Stanley clear waivers I still think Huss, I doubt it I I yeah I just think for a guy and look people like to dump on Logan Stanley in this market it's kind of a a, a sport in a way but for a guy who's a first round draft pick with the size that he has I suspect there will be teams there would be teams that would see him as an intriguing enough project still given his age uh that they would put a claim in so I mean would the Jets be comfortable with losing Logan Stanley on waivers I I don't think that's what they would it's not what they want to do but I also think Huss that attempts to move Logan Stanley perhaps for something a late draft pick something along those lines have not met with success because if they I think if there was something out there that they could get we may have already seen that move happen. Um, so the one million dollar salary, I, I don't. It's not so high that it's going to have tear teams away. Um, but I, I do think Logan Stanley probably starts the season as the seven or eight guy in the press box again, barring injury and or barring trades, which you know certainly could still happen between now and, and opening night. Um, but, you know, they still have Declan Chisholm, obviously, to, to sign. He's the last remaining RFA. I don't, I don't think there's any anything to read into why his hasn't got done yet. It's probably just a matter of Kevin Shoveldayoff prioritizing different things. I suspect Declan Chisholm will come in somewhere around the league minimum. I guess there's the question of, is it a one-way or a two-way or some combination? Is it one-year, two-year? We'll see what that looks like. But again, there, there's a guy in Chisholm who also would require waivers and another potential wrench if you're the Jets and you already lost Johnny Kovacevic a year ago for nothing, a drafted and developed asset. I think if you're the Jets, you don't want to get into a habit, even if these are guys that maybe don't immediately have a spot in your lineup, you don't want to get into a habit of investing years of development into players only to have other teams grab them for free you'd at least like to recoup something if you're moving on uh and I do think it's a lot more likely the Jets would move Logan Stanley than Declan Chisholm uh but it does create that very intriguing scenario throwing Kyle Capobianco who's not a drafted and developed guy but is a guy that they've signed who also would need waivers and you know again it's the same situation Huss there appear to be too many blue liners for the number of available spots and someone or multiple someones are going to have to go on waivers when the season is ready to begin, assuming everyone's healthy. And that will be something, obviously, to watch. So there is time between now and opening night uh, for a move or two or more to be made. Um, and maybe as we get closer to camp or even into camp and teams get injuries or whatever, maybe Kevin Chevaldeos' phone starts ringing. Maybe what he hears on the other end of the phone starts to sound a little more appealing than what he's heard so far. By the way, for those who are counting the days, let me give you a little glimmer of hope here, Haas. You know that this week and next week, that is kind of the end of the the dry period, if you are, with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I talked to Cole Perfetti last week. He's coming in right after Labor Day. He told me a bunch of regulars will be in town the week after, like that week, um, starting, I guess, around the 4th of September. 
So around that week, expect informal Jets veteran, if you will, skates to start happening uh, down at the Hockey for All Center. The following week, the rookie skates will officially begin uh, prior to the rookie guys or the young guys uh, going out west for their little tournament that they play. And then the week after that is the formal start of training camp. So we are on the cusp of uh, a, a hub of activity uh, in this city, as soon as uh, Labor Day is in the rearview mirror, uh, there will be the majority of Jets in town, and uh, maybe then the news will start to pick up a little bit. Well, I-, I can tell you there's a couple players that the news will pick up just on account of them showing up in Winnipeg, getting ready to start a season. We know who oh, those yes? guys are. Who might those be? Um <laughs> You know, we'll get to Hellebuck in a minute, um, but I am, I, you know, we talked about this earlier on, and I'm not sure. And again, maybe this is hyperbole or recency bias. Maybe it is. But I'm trying to think of an interview or a media scrum that would be more highly anticipated than Mark Shifley's first of the season when he gets here, um, considering the way things ended the last two years, the last year of the contract, the trade rumors all summer long, and the fact that he still is a Winnipeg Jet. To me, not only is that going to be incredibly interesting, I think for anyone that pays attention to the Winnipeg Jets, Mike, I think in a lot of ways it's a very, it's far more important than most of these ones that'll just come and guys will say whatever and they're moving on. Because in a lot of ways, I think it sort of sets the tone for Mark in particular, his role with the club, his short-term future, never mind long-term future. Um, What do you make of all of that? I mean, just assuming that he's going to be back with the Winnipeg Jets, regardless of how the team handles things once the season gets going. But him coming back here, arriving, and, um, and speaking for the first time since... Everyone uh, spoke at the end of last season and went on their separate ways. Oh, I agree. It'll be much anticipated. Uh, You know, Blake Wheeler, speaking for the first time after losing the C last fall, was also uh, a hotly anticipated uh, interview as well. But Shifley will be right up there for sure. Uh, Look, if you're into good omens or good signs, Huss, I don't know if you saw, I was making the rounds of social media last week. Some video of Mark Shifley skating with a group of players uh, in Toronto, uh, you know, as NHL players tend to do, they get a big group of them. I don't know if you saw the video, Huss, but Mark Shifley's out there wearing a Winnipeg Jets practice jersey. Not every guy was wearing the jersey of the team that he plays for. Um, I don't know what to read into that, but is the fact that Mark Shifley was proudly sporting the Jets logo during a, a summertime <laughs> skate, uh, is is there? Break. There we go. This guy's oh, worn a Nike hat. This guy's worn a Nike hat for every single interview he's done for the last three seasons or whatever. For the most part, I personally will not take too much from that, Mike. <laughs> now, what if he was skating around with the Winnipeg Jets flag? Would that have done it for you? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, look, maybe it's the only jersey he had, but. Uh, uh, real intense work out there, as you can see. Uh, beer, beer league, summer beer league special going on. Um, He's going to but... come into shape. I mean, like this, there's oh. absolutely no question about his preparation for the season or what he brings to the table. I mean, to me, this entire thing is, I mean, and obviously we're going to hear Mark 
speak about Blake Wheeler being gone. I mean, I know that was a big story early on, and we haven't yeah. really it gets sort of done. It's in the past. We haven't talked a lot about it, but I mean, there was listen, they spent a lot of money to move off of Blake Wheeler, who had a quite a productive season. I mean, they haven't come right out and said why they did it, but we all know. And let's face it, Mark hasn't been too far removed on that. So I'm I'm fascinated about where that leaves him with the club, never mind his contract situation. I mean, there's two big sort of elephants sure. in the room, if you will. By the way, Huss, inspired by uh, our chat a week ago, I actually wrote a column late last week about the Jets' captain captaincy and and how I believe, you know, one of the first orders of business uh, should be to name a new captain. Um, and I gave my two cents on, you know, the various candidates looking at the current leadership group in Josh Morrissey, Adam Lowry, Mark Shifley, and then some dark horse candidates that I said, you know, if Mark Shifley does get moved, there will at the very least be um, a new alternate captain who's needed. But interesting, I, I ran a poll and I know you guys did as well. I, I'm guessing our polls ended up being fairly similar in results. I had about uh, just over 1,200 folks weighed in on mine uh, and I asked the question who should be the next Jets captain Josh I, and I listed the three current alternates Morrissey Lowry Tifley and then I just had a other category so 1200 plus votes Josh Morrissey 48 percent Adam Lowry 44 percent Mark Shifley and other uh tied with four percent of the total vote I, I'd be curious who folks had in mind as other uh, didn't get many names thrown my way, but um, some of the names that I mentioned in my piece as, you know, potential alternates that could, could move into the leadership group, Brendan Dillon, although of course he only has one year left on his deal. So you wonder, you know, would they do that or would they wait to see if he gets extended? Nino Niederreiter, same situation. And Nikolai Ehlers for the reason that, and I think you would agree, Huss, there's nobody that tells it like it is, quite like Nikolai Ehlers. There's nobody who's quicker to point the finger of blame at themselves than Nikolai Ehlers, which is kind of an admirable quality. Uh, he doesn't throw teammates under the bus. He routinely throws himself under the bus and then drives over himself with it, almost comically at times, where he'll take uh, he'll take the blame for things that he's not even responsible for. Um, but in terms of a, a long-standing kind of core guy, uh, Ehlers was a name that came to mind as well. So maybe some people kind of were thinking of him. But uh, yeah, to your point on Shifley, uh, we're definitely going to want to hear what he has to say about a number of topics. And as you say, kind of a table setter, a mood setter, if you will, for you know a very important season for this Jets team. And I do suspect Mark Shifley is a very smart guy. I suspect he's going to come in and probably say all the right things um, to kind of get things going on the right foot. Yeah. What, what did you say your poll was between Morrissey and Shifley? 48 to 44. Morrissey, 48%. Lowry, 44%. Ours ended up at 48, 47. And I can't, huh. and I can't, I can't remember, to be honest, who won or who lost. I mean, it was basically that close. But here yeah. you are. Here's breaking news. They were playing for it. There they are out golfing last weekend out ah. in Calgary. Uh, I'm not sure what the stakes are, but maybe the C 
was on the line in this picture. Well, if that's the case, I saw that post, and I believe Josh Morrissey said something like, thanks to Adam Lowry for carrying me. He, Josh Morrissey implied that Lowry was the better of the two on the course. I did get, there were a couple people, Huss, and I don't think the Jets would do this. I, I don't know the value in this. I did see a few suggestions saying, what about home and road captains where you'd have basically these two guys would split the captaincy. One would wear the C at home. One would wear the C on the road. Um, I, I don't believe there's anything in the NHL that says you can't do that. Um, but there aren't many teams that kind of do that. And I don't know if that would be something the Jets would even entertain. But given that you kind of can't go wrong, you can't go wrong with either guy, uh, that would be one way to, I guess, uh, uh, keep everybody uh, happy, but you know we'll see. We'll see what goes. I just can't, I can't imagine the Jets don't address the captaincy very early in camp. I, to me, it's too important given everything that's happened with this club. If you want to do more than just talk the talk about culture change and turning the page and all that stuff, you have to then name a cat. You can't just go into this season a second straight year without a captain. To me. I don't care about some people say it's just symbolic. It doesn't mean anything. No, to me, it's too important. You got to get this out of the way early and you got to get it right. Yeah, I, I agree. I know there's a couple people in in chat saying there won't be a captain. No way. Um, they're, they're, the lack of a captain and the aftermath of Blake Wheeler losing it, but not giving it to somebody else, I, I think hurt this team in the second half of the season. Yep. I mean, listen, in the first half, I mean, everything sort of started going well. I think a lot of what Bones was preaching was, you know, being, you know, heeded to, listened to. And listen, they were getting good results on the ice. When you really do need that captain to step up is not when things are going great. It's when you're going through some adverse times. And I think it's very possible that this team could have some of those going on this year. And obviously... What happens to this team on the ice will have a huge, huge effect on, you know, the Jets' opportunity or willingness yeah. to trade either of those two players that we've talked about. I'm sort of with you. I think Shifley will get, you know, coached up by the PR guys will come out and try yeah. and put his best foot forward. But, it, I mean, and, and listen, I know Rick Bonus is going to say all the right things. I mean, he's got so much experience. There's no question that Bones will come out and say, hey, whatever, what happened in the past is the past. This is a new season, a new team. We're starting from there. Um, I hope that a lot of the players would be because, I mean, the last thing we remembered from a lot of these guys was, you know, bowing out in the meekest way possible to the Vegas Golden Knights with almost no fight in Game 5. And then the biggest topic of the of the final meeting with the media was basically a team-wide borderline wine and cheese party, and that's wine with an H, uh, yes. about, um, you know, about, you know, the coach, you know, not liking the way things were dealt with. So, I mean... All of that around this club. I mean, it's not like we've been talking about it nonstop through the season, but it kind of is something that I think needs to just be talked about, put aside, and then move forward. And listen, if Mark Scheifele is going to be on this team, obviously his contract is going to be a concern, and you know his future will be of something that 
he will certainly be thinking about personally. But I think everyone, including his teammates, want to know that, you know, he is in and committed to doing what they're trying to do as a group, not doing as a bunch of individuals to get personal contracts. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, us, if if uh, Jets fans out there want to hear something uh, positive or encouraging about the coming season, let me offer this. I had a great uh, one-on-one over the phone with Cole Perfetti last week. Uh, he's, of course, uh, back at his home in Whitby, Ontario. Uh, says he's 100% healthy. Uh, we talked, of course, about his injury history, including his most recent one last February, how he worked his tail off to try and get back for the playoffs and was on the cusp of being cleared to play when the Jets laid that that egg in Game 5. Uh, and, of course, all that hard work to get back ended up being kind of for naught. Um, but Cole Perfetti told me a few interesting takeaways. One is he was pretty adamant, Huss, that he wants that second-line center spot. Uh, and in fact, he believes that playing center might be valuable to him in terms of keeping him healthy, keeping him in the lineup. Um, you know, there's no question he's taken some lumps early in his career. The Jet, he's a natural center, played center all through junior, but of course here in the NHL, He's primarily played the wing, and he's taken some big hits, suffered a couple significant shoulder injuries, a back injury. He talked about how he believes center could unlock kind of a bigger and better part of his game. Of course, he said he'll play wherever Rick Bonus wants him to play. Um, but I thought that was interesting because I think one of the storylines of camp is going to be whether it's Cole Perfetti, Gabe Velarde, maybe Vlad Nemestikov. Uh, who's who's taking that spot, assuming Shifley is still with the team and is the the uh, automatic number one center. The other thing he talked about completely changing his training this summer, Huss. Uh, he's now with a guy out of Ontario, out of the Toronto area, who he said is a big rehab guy, uh, works with a lot of NHLers. Uh, he's changed his diet. He's changed his training, all with the idea of obviously trying to keep him on skates for a full 82 or as close to that as possible uh, because unfortunately Cole Perfetti's first two years in the NHL while delivering a lot of, of promise, a lot of excitement have also dealt a lot of injuries. And he believes there's no rhyme or reason why he suffered these injuries uh, that it's more bad luck than anything that maybe he's gotten out of the way. And uh, he's hopefully, uh, you know, primed for a really good healthy run here, but there's no question, Huss, he talked about how excited he is, I think he sees the opportunity and he also sees that he can be a very big part of not only the future, but the present. Uh, He also talked about all the guys they've drafted that we got to see at development camp, the McGrorities and the Barlows. Uh, He's been in touch with all those guys and, you know, says it's very exciting to see what this organization has drafted and to think that he's going to be a, a part of that for quite a while. One last little note from him. He actually told me on the golf front, he's got a goal. By 2026, he wants to be playing in the Manitoba Open, and he believes that he can shoot two rounds in the 70s. This from a guy who only started picking up the sticks during the pandemic. He said he had never golfed before, only started golfing during COVID, and he's rapidly improving. 
And he's got three more years to get his game into uh, tournament shape. Um, but nice to see that he's thinking that far ahead uh, and perhaps playing in the 2026 Manitoba Open. You know, Mike, um, that's funny. And Hey, that would be great. And that would mean he'd still be here as a Jet, probably a very prominent Jet. Yes. I've talked a lot about Neil Pionk, um, you know, needing to, um, if he's able to raise his level of play for the season, like he did at the end of the year, yeah. and get back to that guy a couple of years ago. I'm not sure there's anybody on the blue line that's capable of having a more positive impact if they can do exactly that than him. I think with the loss of Pierre-Luc Dubois, the opportunity for Cole Perfetti, this is such a massive season for him. Yep. I mean, he's finishing his entry-level contract. I mean, this can go in a number of ways, but I mean, the best-case scenario, Perfetti clicks with the Velarde, like goes in, gets that opportunity, makes the most of it, establishes himself as a top six center with the production to go along with it. Obviously that is huge for the club, especially with the potential losing a Mark Shifley at some point over the course of the next 10, nine or 10 months, um, regardless of how it happens. But the other part of it is from an individual spot. Um, like if Cole Perfetti, you know, gets injured and plays 45 games this year and puts up, you know, 25, 30 points, Compare that to what his next contract might look like with the Winnipeg right. Jets if he established himself as a reliable option down the middle, the guy that they were hoping that they drafted. I mean, listen, he can help the team, but he can really help himself with a big year as well. And Cole Perfetti, one thing we know about him, he's a real student of the game. He's a, a deep thinker. He's a very bright young man. And uh, I get the sense, Huss, everything you just mentioned and more, he he recognizes how vital this year is. And uh, he's he's eager to put a couple of kind of frustrating years behind him and really turn the page. And you're right. I mean, I think he has the potential. You know, he has the skill for sure. Uh, keeping him healthy and in the lineup is obviously number one. But, uh, you know, he could, he could go a long way to how the story of the 2023-24 Jets is going to play out. Uh, he could be a you know significant author, if you will, of of how that story reads. Uh, Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, is with us. Listen, we spent a lot of time talking about Mark Shifley and his situation, but I have to ask you about Hellebuck. And listen, you know this. I've always been a huge Hellebuck fan. I think he's the franchise. I mean, the best player on this team. Would love to see them find a way to keep him. Part of the reason why I enjoy him so much is, you know, being doing stuff in the media, he's the most interesting guy to talk to because he yes. doesn't have much of a doesn't have much of a filter, um, you know, and and has a very weird goalieish way of looking at things. However, um, when he comes back to camp, considering everything that's been reported this year, this will be a very different interview, I think, than we've ever seen before from Hellebuck. Um, what what do you think you hear from the goalie? And I mean, when someone inevitably asks him why it's reported that, you know, he's not interested in signing an extension here in Winnipeg with the Jets, where do you think that goes? Because there have been some back and forth that have been somewhat contentious. And I would say this topic more than anything has the potential to go there. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we we haven't heard any reason from Connor Hellebuck from his own mouth as to why 
a long-term extension in Winnipeg isn't something that that he is pursuing, or at least at this point hasn't. We can surmise maybe what some of those reasons are, and you can read between the lines when he talks about you know wanting to win and feeling like time is running out. The implication is that he doesn't feel like Winnipeg is all that close to winning anytime soon, uh, and that he believes that he'd have a better chance somewhere else. Now, um, given what the team is going to look like coming into camp. I mean, obviously Wheeler and Dubois are gone from when we last talked to Connor Hellebuck. Presume Shifley's back. They brought a few guys in via trade. Um, But the team largely looks similar to what it looked like when the season ended last year, save for the Dubois trade and the Wheeler buyout. Is, Is that changing Connor Hellebuck's tune? Do we get a different sense of things? Because you're right, Haas, I, I have no doubt the Winnipeg Jets would love to get Connor Hellebuck locked up because and we know this for a fact. When you have Connor Hellebuck in your net, regardless of maybe what you're dealing with injury-wise or roster-wise, you have a fighting chance. He gives you that opportunity night in and night out. And there is no immediate successor to Connor Hellebuck waiting in the wings. Sure, it would be great if Lauren Brassois can take a big step this year towards his personal goal of being a number one in the NHL. There's certainly a couple of young guys in the system that look promising, but are probably still a few years away. Um, but without a guy just immediately challenging Connor Hellebuck, so much of the current Jets' hopes and dreams, it would seem, are tied into Connor Hellebuck. And that's why his status is such a major talking point because it feels like in a lot of ways uh, he controls the the direction of this franchise, not just in the coming months, but perhaps for a few years. Um, and so, you know, I think uh, both the, the Hellebuck and the Shifley interviews, which I suspect the Jets PR staff will want to get those ones out of the way quickly uh, those probably happen on or around, uh, I think, September 20th or 21st is the first official day of camp. You can probably mark that down in permanent ink that we'll hear from both those guys kind of right out of the shoot. And what they have to say, uh, no doubt, will be much debated and dissected, Huss. Yeah, well, uh, as I said, you know, we'll, uh, we've got a couple more weeks to go. We'll, I mean, the other side of this thing is, you know, is Bones. I don't think... As I say, I think the experience of Rick Bonus is going to be on display in spades when we hear from uh, Rick for the first time. And, you know, his demeanor, I think, is a big advantage to as well to trying to move past uh, past everything. Um, sure. But as I say, those two players <laughs> make no mistake about it. And it's kind of funny when you trade a player like Pierre-Luc Dubois, you would think that all the attention would be on the new guys coming in and Bellardi yeah. and I have found out. an I mean, those, those those guys are just part of the crew right now. We've heard from sure. them already, and uh, they're they're moving forward with the club. It's you know the guys that have been mainstays of this team that have the biggest question marks around them. Well, and let me say this, Haas. I, I, not that Connor Hellebuck's motivation is ever something that would be questioned because it's not. We know he's a highly motivated individual, highly competitive. I suspect though the competitive juices and the motivation will be picked up even more this year 
because he's playing for his next contract. He doesn't have a contract beyond this current season. Well, hey, Mark, Mike, the entire offseason, all he and all of us heard that, ah, oh, you know, he's really good, but teams right. don't think they're not willing to give him that contract that I'll say he's certainly earned. You can debate all you want the merits of the of the length of the contract and what he might look like. I got a lot of contra- I got a lot of confidence that he's going to be a very very elite goaltender well into a long-term deal when that happens, but doesn't matter what I think. You know what Connor Hellebuck thinks, and you are exactly right. I mean, that there will be no more motivated player, I think, out there right now. And I don't even think it's about getting the money. It's about proving, proving himself again and everyone else sure. that's doubting him and whether he's worth it to, to stick it where you know where. For sure. And, and again, we know Connor Hellebuck is a guy who takes great care of himself. Um, and so, you know, it's not like he has an injury history where there'd be red flags. I, I suspect he would uh, be in a position where he can be a very good goalie for a very long time, whether that's here or somewhere else. But uh, if at least if you're the Jets, Huss, he, even if he's not here for that much longer, the Jets obviously hope that they get a, a motivated Connor Hellebuck who, you know, brings them obviously uh, – a lot of good nights at the office and uh, help the cause for however much longer he's here. And I do suspect we're going to see that. So in addition to everything else, I expect to hear some things from Connor Hellebuck on day one of camp about just how hungry he is. And I, it won't be a cliche. He will be very, very hungry. No question about it. Everyone will be hungry to hear from Connor as well when he shows up in the peg. Mike, great stuff today. Thanks as always. Uh, Enjoy the golf tournament. We'll look forward to your reporting on a very busy week uh, around the province with the cup here and the tourney and everything in the Winnipeg free press. And we'll look forward to doing this again with you next week as we inch closer to September 20th. And of course, October 11th, when the jets drop the puck in Calgary against the flames. Right on. Sounds good. Thanks. Hustle. Thanks so much. There's Mike McIntyre. Great stuff from the Winnipeg free press. Um, all right. We've still got lots to get to today on the program but of course we were just talking golf big big weekend for golf in manitoba with the manitoba open here and of course breezy ben's braxton kunst was well now has some company as mike just mentioned on the program after the qualifiers um breezy incredibly proud of the back-to-back amateur champion and um of course breezy has an incredible junior program that has cranked out so many top young players here in the province And it's Breezy and Elmhurst, it seems, every year going at it for that Monday putter championship. If you're looking for a long-term home for you and your family with a great junior program, spot for the women, a men's night, um, and maybe the best patio around Manitoba golf, Breezy's that spot. Find out more on getting on the waiting list for 2024 now. I would not wait on this. Talk to Corey Johnson at the clubhouse or go online to breezyben.ca for more information on the upcoming 2024 season. Um, a big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Speaking of 2024, they are booking well into 2024 right now. Cannot wait to get back there. But in the meantime, if you're looking for a world-class flying and fishing adventure and experience where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens is that spot. Go to AikensLake.com. To find out more, 
or uh, hit up our pal Pitt Turan on Twitter at Aikens Lake. Now, off the top of the show, everyone, some of you might have joined us late. I mentioned about the uh, next Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Night at Little Brown Jug. And as Remus mentioned, it uh, let's just say we announced it just a few days ago and uh, ticket sales have been crazy for it. I think people had so much fun at the first couple. They're making sure they're counting themselves in. Don't leave this one late. Um, as Remus said, it's selling very well at Eventbrite and we do have limited availability. That's why they're tickets for this event. So if you're listening to the podcast, go to winnipegsportstalk.com and click on the link at the bo- at the uh, top of the page. If you're with us on YouTube, just click on the description of the video and there's a link right there. Grab some tickets for you and your friends. We'll see you on September 13th at Little Brown Jug for what should be another great time. And hopefully the weather cooperates and we can do it outside on that beautiful patio that hosted the first night that we did it over at Little Brown Jug. Of course, while you're at it, check out everything they've got, including that amazing deal. I think as long as they've still got any beer left, and blowing out 1919 and generic in a 24, I left 244 a beer. Best deal I've ever heard for Little Brown Jugs. Two number one brands, the iconic 1919 and our new favorite, the generic lager. Find out more at littlebrownjug.ca or pop down and see him at the tap room over on William Avenue. Now, we will get to Assiniboia Downs picks in a minute, but let's bring Remus in here. Um, Gold Eyes back in action tonight. Um, did lose last night. Tough one. 2 nothing. Um, They're finishing up. It's going to be a big, big week. Um, you've got the Francophone night, I believe, tonight. There's the uh, dance party coming up. Fan appreciation on Friday. Final game of the season on Sunday. Um, but, Riemann, we'll talk to Andrew Collier about this uh, when he joins us this week, in addition to everything going on with the, uh, with the baseball team. Um, there was some news involving beer, at Canada Life Center that came out. And I think the success that the fish have had by going all local. Now, listen, I think there's too much money to be made with the big breweries to not have, you know, a representation of whether it's a Budweiser, Labatt, or Coors Light and Molson. Um, But it sounds like there is an RFP going out and we could see up to three local breweries having some skin in the game at Canada Life Center, which I know for many beer drinkers will be a very popular. And I can imagine that our friends at little Brown jug, much like they have now gotten into the stadium with the Winnipeg blue bombers would be right there as well. Yeah. I saw this in the free press yesterday. I was like, Huss, I think we've got a full topic for the show here. Uh, True North inviting local brewers to tab into hockey concert crowds at Canada life center. And uh, one comment that Scott Billick made on this show um, months ago, where you guys were talking about fan experience at the Canada Life Center. He says there's nothing local about it, that if you were in Canada Life Center, you wouldn't be able to tell what city you're in. And you look at what the Gold Eyes have done with all their concessions being local or the Bombers. Um, I kind of tend to agree. And, you know, you can start with the beer. Um, the Gold Eyes done a great job having only... Uh, local beer and rotating taps on Craft Beer Corner. It would be nice to be able to get some more local flavor at Jets games. We have you know exploding uh, local scene, and you know we're partnered with Little Brown Jug, so we'd love to be able to get a 1919 
at a Jet game. I'm curious how this will turn out. It seemed like, though, they kind of just put this out a bit last second, giving people only like a week or so to get their proposals in. But uh, I thought this was this was great. I love to be able to get, a again, a local drink at uh, Canada Life or at a show at Burton Cummings whenever the next guitar god comes. Yeah, <laughs> the next yeah, the next shred fest that yeah. you'll be in the front row for. Um, listen, I think this is also somewhat sign of the times. Um, like I understood why you could only get what was it, Budweiser, Bud Light, and you know the quote unquote craft beers were just you know offshoots of things that Labatt had bought. Um, it's because they were spending a ton of money to be in the in the building now obviously if that's the case i would assume and maybe i'll be proven wrong but i'm pretty sure that that deal is up and you know now i mean it's it, like so many things the media industry cable television um and you know running sports teams there are some things where the value shot up and it's way more valuable there are other things that you know you kind of probably have to work a little bit harder for. And, you know, now that this team is more than a decade in, I think that the uh, the plan will be to try to maintain their level of sponsorship and income, which the bottom line is very important. It is a business by working with a number of partners as opposed to just one massive exclusive deal with one of the major brewers. And I think if that's the case, everybody wins. No, I have no idea what these numbers are behind the scenes. I have no idea what the cost of getting in the building for one of the local brewers will be, how many taps or how many available spots where they'll be to sell their beer and what that does to the big national company that's on. All I'll say is that it is very important from a team standpoint that has, what's the salary cap now, 80 million bucks or whatever. I mean, there's uh, that you got to sell a lot of tickets. You got to sell a lot of beer. You got to do very well in sponsorships and all of it has to work really well here in Winnipeg for this team to be a success. So I think this is just another challenge that the organization's facing as they kind of go through, you know, this next stage, if you will, after the honeymoon of the team coming back to Winnipeg. But I do think the fans at the end of the day, can really be the winners because we've certainly heard it before um, that, you know, many people, especially with the rise in quality local brews, um, that people would like to have that option there. And as I said, if, 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 the, if the end result here from a fan's perspective is that you can get, you know, your regular, whether it's a butter, a Coors Light or whatever it is, and they're, they're big involved in supporting the team. And then you also have you know, a little brown jug and a farmery and uh torque, for instance, I, I think it's win, win, win. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I think you want, look, you want people to be able to get a drink that uh, they're familiar with, you know, supporting local and something, you know, you know, has different taste. Um, you know, I went to a show with Burton Cummings and it would have been nice to have a local option. Now, I did see uh, Cowboy says at the Bird Block Party, they had, you know, they had some local stuff there, so... Uh, it could be a nice change uh, for the concessions at Canada Life this year. And I had, well, they had some other, you know, other craft beers. I'll use in quote, quotations by some of the bigger brewers. And I, I was happy to pay the premium uh, for something of, of the taste I enjoyed. I imagine that people would, uh, if they did charge more for that at, at the Canada Life Center for a Jets game, I think people would gladly 
uh, pay for that if it was, you know, pays for their preference. Yeah, beer is already expensive. I I just hope that my, you know what, if you are a season ticket holder and you get your, I mean, honestly, oh. that was one of the biggest things. I mean, that discount mm-hmm. card for beer mm-hmm. was, I mean, I, I, I joked at how much I saved last year, <laughs> the <Yeah>. total, <laughs> on a I, per game basis. I don't know whether that would be the case for all of it, but, um, you know, again, this is more to... Uh, Listen, they've got to do what they've got to do to get the to maximize the revenue coming in as a business. But if at the same time they can do that and allow some more local options in addition to a national brewer and have everyone supporting the team and being involved, I mean, listen, I think that would that would quiet a lot of complaining and um, hopefully would make the fan experience a little bit better, at least still satisfying a few more people that weren't getting what they wanted before and uh, move on like that. I'm laughing because uh, I went to go use that discount card on one of the, I guess, the more premium beers. I think they said it was only like domestic beers was the term yeah. they usually could use discount. But I went for like the blended peak one. I was like, "What? That's made in in Canada? You won't let me use the discount? No card no, no. card on that? Come on, come on! Well, I had to pay was, the extra that dollar was, that or whatever was for Bud and Bud Light. Uh, and again, that. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of cool things about being a season ticket holder. Um, you know, it's a big commitment, and that is the backbone of teams everywhere. Um, but I will tell you, yeah, that, um, and I guess it's all done through the app now. Um, but that was if you talk to people, I mean, there's a lot of neat things that they're they've done they've done they've tried to do some unique experiences and stuff that you know one or two people, you know, will win the draw to go on the flight to the team with Montreal or something like that. Um, but I'll tell you what, that uh, that discount uh, <laughs> certainly helped a lot of people out last year, especially ones that were at a lot of games that uh, that like to help themselves. Um, I Kyle in all caps, Kyle and Cat. I am not crushing a Pepsi heavy. This is the good old DP right there. How do I not have a Pepsi deal yet? A DP Pepsi deal. I had a, it's a, it's a I had a question. DP yesterday for like the first time in I don't know twenty years. I ordered takeover and they just threw in some some Diet Pepsi, so I had to drink it. It was the only thing in the fridge. I thought of you while I was having it. Nicely Wasn't bad. Done. I I popped by a late night uh, slice spot um, last night. The only thing that was open at um, like whatever it was, like one o'clock, and a uh, couple slices. It comes with a drink. There you go, DP. So I do have. I see there's some ginger ale talk in the chat right now. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I remember, by the way, where I bought that uh, Sprite Limonade. Mm-hmm. It was at the food fair on Lilac. And I happened to be in there again yesterday. And I picked up a blackberry ginger ale. I believe it's a Canada Dry or a Schweppes. I'm not sure. But um, it's in the fridge right now. Mm-hmm. I, I promise I won't crack it until we're on the show and we'll do another We'll do another soda review. I'll never forget the time at the old station you asked me to get you a DP from the vending machine, and I came back with a Dr. Pepper. You should have seen the look on my face when you just did that. You're like, do you even know me? <laughs> and I was like, man, uh, my brain wasn't working, I guess. I heard DP. I got Dr. Pepper. What, that's not, not wrong? Oh, it was an absolute, absolute outrage. Although, um, here, I'll, I'll do go to Winnipeg Drink Talk. I've recently got into bubbly 
and all that. Are you? I don't know if you're into those. You're exclusively bubbly. Yeah. What is? What is I, I, isn't that like Michael Bublé's like? Uh, yeah, like a cooler now. Is that like a high noon or? A, yeah, a it's like sparkling water. It's exploding. Is there booze in it or no? I mean, no. Is but it a cocktail? It, no, it's just a drink. But there are oh, like okay. there are like those kind of like that kind of canned drink like with alcohol is huge. Um, but the bubbly sparkling water. There's always a good discussion. What, what's your favorite flavor? Cherry. I'm a I'm a cherry guy, but there's a lot of good ones out there. I'm looking at this Bailey, the official intern, blackberry ginger ale's delicious husk. Nicole J, also freaking it out, man. I got to tell you, and I think I did drink the Dr Pepper. It was a nice mix up. I, I don't. I'm not anti Dr Pepper, but you wanted a diet one, Pepsi. There's only one DP, and that is the diet Pepsi. Yeah. Oh, I said bubbly. People don't like bubbly in chat. I don't know. I think sometimes you just need those need those that carbonation. And I I used to not be a bubbly guy, but I'm warming up to it. Well, I'll tell you what, if you want a cool bringing tying this all back and mm -hmm. shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug, that bright water. Yes. Um that they produce uh is if if you haven't tried it, um and listen, maybe if you're uh, joining us for uh, the uh, sports night, sports trivia night, and you don't want to drink all those delicious little brown jug beers, although I have no idea why you wouldn't. Try the bright water. Um, I think there's four different flavors. Tried it. They sent me over eight pack or whatever when it started. And uh, I mean, not something I normally drink, but it was pretty neat, especially in the summer. Refreshing. You know, we can uh, we can get to all of that. So, anyways, it, I'm glad that there's this support for the blackberry ginger ale. We will try that at some point soon. All right, let's get to. Um, Let's get to the cool bet lines tonight because, oh, geez, we got to get to uh, horse picks as well. We've sort of gone long. Well, huge series for the Jays, Reem. Kikuchi, our guy on the hill tonight. He had a great start against Baltimore on the 2nd of August. He's gone four straight starts at six-plus innings. He's got the best ERA in the majors for starters since the All-Star break. Um, time to get this man some run support, and it's great to know that Bo Bichette is back, and um, see if they can actually win a few games in the AL East, especially against the division leading Orioles. Yeah, this is a big game tonight. I'm, you know, baseball season. I was kind of lukewarm on maybe because like fantasy's coming down. And I got some uh, teams in the running. Give myself a Barry Horowitz there, but also the the playoff races are exciting, especially that AL wild card with Seattle in and. Toronto. Imagine if they face off in the playoffs again somehow in the uh, in the first round. But a uh, big one here tonight: Blue Jays in Baltimore. A uh, bit of an underdog there, plus one hundred four uh, for the Jays. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, other games as it pertains to the race right now. Uh, where are your Mariners? Are they uh, starting a new series tonight? No, they, no, they're still in Chicago. They murdered the White Sox last night. I think it was fourteen to two. Um, and I, I'm just pumped. <laughs> the Yankees, the Yankees are one minus one seventy five favorites tonight. Reem, they are going up against the putrid Washington Nationals. But um, do we maybe just ride the Nats just because the Yankees can't win a game? The Boone has to be fired tomorrow if they lose to Washington, right? The Nationals had a good, uh, nice game Sunday against the Phillies, but. I just mentioned on Seattle, I don't know if you knew, Julio Rodriguez did something that I don't know if it's ever been done. He went, he went 
four, uh, 17 hits in four games. He had went four hits in a row in four games straight. Uh, sorry, four hits in four straight games. So uh, that was an incredible run there. And interesting about the Yankees. Yeah, they've fallen off pretty far. I know they've had pretty much every starter injured this year. So uh, they are favored, though, tonight, minus 175. Well, and, and the Nats, wait a second here. I'm betting the Nats tonight. The Nats have won seven of their last nine. They took two of three against the Phillies on the weekend. They took two of three in the previous series against the Red Sox. They swept the A's, although everybody does that. They're only three games back of New York in the uh, <laughs> in it. Who's pitching tonight? Let's. That's what we need to know. Uh, Rodon one and four with a seven three three ERA versus Jonah Gray. Okay, I'm in on the Nats. I'm in on the Nats at plus one sixty one fifty five as well. Um, <laughs> when you're at, at Cool Bet right now, um, we will hit the CFL lines in a second. But NFL futures are all up. Division winners, your player props. If you want to bet on a guy that you love or fade a guy that you hate or you know, make picks for the entire season. It is all there in the future section. We'll really be diving into that over the next couple of days on the lock shop. Um, as far as CFL goes this week, Bombers and Alouettes kick it off on Thursday. The Bombers are eight-point favorites. Toronto is a 10-point favorite at home against Calgary. BC is a 10-point favorite at home against the, the Ticats. I usually don't lay those sort of points. I will be laying that on the BC Lions as per our conversation against John Hodge. And then this one's getting pretty close to a pick right now. Ottawa's a one-point favorite in Edmonton against the Elks. I think this is the week the Elks do it, Reem. Well, they won last week. Oh, you mean win at home. Sorry. Win they at won. home. Okay. <laughs> them winning on the road. I wanted to bring up something like um, a, a nice wrestling reference where, what, Lex Luger... Beat Yokozuna at WrestleMania uh, that SummerSlam, but it was by countouts, so the title didn't change. I mean, the Elks won, but they still have this, you know, home losing streak that they have to squash. Uh, Ottawa's an interesting team for me, where they've been in all these close games. Their red zone efficiency is pretty terrible. I think they're better. I think they're still solid, but you know, when it comes down to the red zone, they just haven't been able to get it done. I do think it's a, a winnable game for Edmonton. I'd probably still lean Ottawa, but this it was th- even money yesterday for the Elks. It's now yeah. minus one hundred four. Here's my prediction: by the time they kick off, the Elks are the favorite. So if you want to bet Edmonton, I would suggest doing it right now. Trey Ford's um, look good. Uh, he's look yeah. good, and a lot of people are like, "Well, why didn't they play him earlier?" Like we all knew this guy was talented. Like, what took he had them a so shitty long? training camp? And he was in Chris Jones's doghouse, and that's what happens when the coach doesn't like you. Uh, you, uh, it, it ain't happening. All right, um, let's get to uh, let's get to the picks right now. Horse picks tonight. Did you win yesterday? Uh, I won one. I won twelve bucks on. Let me just see. I also won one. Again. On Oh, it was actually on race seven. Oh, yeah. Stan Starlet. Remember? Big Stan. Look at, big Stan. Uh, I won 1160 on that one. But, uh, and oh, my God, I was so close. I, I went back. One of my triactors, I had one, two, and four. It was Kitan that just missed out. And, like, literally, it was almost a photo finish. 
So um, anyways, it could have been, it, it could have been better, but it also could have been worse. Um, you uh, start this out because I'm going to be sort of be doing a few of these on the fly. Sure. I had one. Uh, really wh- liking, really liking race number two right now, Reem, with uh, a Club few Jack. of our favorite horses shooting money and drop a caribou in the same one. I'm going to definitely bet shooting money, but I'm also thinking about Club Champ who got me a win a few weeks ago. Now this is back to five and a half and it did not have a good race that time, but I think I'm going to go shooting money, the three, six, I'm going to avoid number two and go uh three, six exactor box for, uh, for this one. Yeah. First of all, I had, I had a winner yesterday, $4 on Anna Cosana paid about 1980. Oh, um, nicely done. How about this race one? Uh, there's only three horses, Hus, in race one. Can you do a trifecta on that? Like, does it uh, does it pay? Will <laughs> let me? Box one dollar pays six bucks. <laughs> yeah, well, will let me. Uh, race two, I took Club Champ to win, so I'm on club straight up Club Champ. Nicely done. I got shooting money, and I might actually throw on another bet. But anyways, shooting money. Club champ and uh, drop a caribou if I was going to do a, uh, uh, a triactor, but I got the uh, exactor box three six and six three. Uh, what about race number? Uh, what about race number three? I got the trifecta box here. Race three, Wits Tenny Ten, Dixie Mo, and Tiz. Poppin' 256 on race three. Ooh, going with Dixie Moe. I actually really like that one. I think Tiz Hoppin' is probably going to be... I guess Blazing Sky and Dixie Moe are so close in the... Uh, I would say I would ride with you on that one, but that wouldn't exactly be... We can ride. It's okay. Uh, maybe I'll go with the... Uh, I'll, I'll go 6-4. I'll go two four six for that one. I'm going to put in a trifecta, one, Wits Tenny Ten, Blazing Sky, Tiz Hoppin, who's the favorite. And considering I've got it, let's go also with a win bet for Tiz Hoppin. We'll throw a fin down on that. All right, next up. Okay, we got some good ones in here so far. And there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, uh, I mean, bigger fields today with the exception of race number one, which I think most people will sort of skip. Um, <clears throat> there is some definite, some definite possibilities. Do you got everything on uh, race four? No, I don't. But this pray for peace. I just remember from the Manitoba Derby uh, last year, a secret wit horse. Uh, Henry Witt owns it. Doesn't have wit in the name, but... Uh... He does. He does own the horse. I was just staring it down as well. We'll go for it. Four on four in race number four. You might want to speak into the microphone there when you say say your picks. Four on four <laughs> for race number four. Sorry about Wait, that. Wait, you're betting on courageous? Oh, let's see. Did I actually do that, or did I? Oh, I courageous I is just... horse four. That's paying thirty to one. That'd be hilarious. That's probably the way. Oh no, no, I got the right one. You got five. Yeah, I got uh, I got five. Okay, so we're good. 
Um, all right, let's get back to it. Um, maybe race number. Do you have anything more? Uh, race yeah, ra- or? race five. I'm on race five, one, three, nine. Phantom Drop, Terawatt, and Kato's Lady for the trifecta. Beautiful. Race six. Uh, I always like betting on the horses that have never raced before. New blood. And you know that I love the wit horses. So in its debut, wits, Jerry, 10 to one. We're going to throw a three down on that one. That was race six. Yeah. Race six. Oh, wits, Jerry. Nice. No, I'm done. I just have race seven. I did an exact box four or five. Mermaid kisses and know what I mean. Uh, wow, 20, 20 to one mermaid kisses, not bad. Yeah, mermaid kisses. It's uh, first race of the year. It did win last year at the Downs and five and a half furlongs. And Ooh. look at this race, us five and a half furlongs. I don't know if it was on an injury list or or what, but it got I guess it got rained out last week. I'll tell you what, I like that a lot. I'm gonna go know what I mean. Uh, what up now, JT? And we'll throw mermaid kisses in. So there you go. We got some good ones tonight. I actually added a couple because, of course, we missed a couple days of live racing last week. So we've got it in the account. So we may as well fire it out. And I can give a few tips to my pal Gord from Wallace and Wallace. They're going to it tonight. So I'll review and send our best bets. But if you want the best, best bets, 6.45 p.m., Kirk and Stretch, get you ready for the full night of live racing. Uh, they are on the Assiniboine Downs YouTube channel. And if you bet at home at hpibet.com like we do, you can also watch the races live or after the fact. Often fun. If I go out on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, I won't you know, look at Twitter too much. And I'll come back and I'll just queue up the races and watch them as if they're live. Certainly saves a lot of the time oh. in between races, but uh, it's a great way to do it. I actually did that yesterday. Um yeah, I was I I was wasn't alive somehow from the tab, and I just watched the race. Uh, it was pretty awesome. Um, so I, here I know we're winding it down. I mentioned at the start of the show, all caps Kyle watching while uh, mowing the lawn. Here he is, us on his um, <laughs> lawn mower there. Okay, a boy. Check he's got check this out though. He's got his phone mounted to his lawn mower watching WST. With the chat on, that is, yeah. you know what, Kyle? Shout out to you. Got a blue light, too. Must have been out in Ontario at some point in the last little while. I don't even think they have those here. Bought a couple cases back from K-Town. Uh, amazing, amazing operation out there for all caps, Kyle. Jimmying up the phone to the tractor. And he's out in, I think he was saying they're out in Reesher. So, uh Got a lot of grass to oh. cut. Make the most of this afternoon. We're glad we could be with you and keep you company, Kyle. Here. Great stuff and great to meet you last Friday for the uh, big event. Oh, yeah. Croc life. Get, Croc get, gang. Rise up. Oh, I recognize those socks. Those are the Costco Puma socks. I think I have those. But a lot of comments about Crocs. You and I are certified Croc guys. So this gets oh, yeah. approved. I was a hater. Like so many people at the start, I was a hater. And then I tried it. And then I never looked back. And now I'm on the Crocs mailing list. For... <laughs> they have good sales. <laughs> well, they do. And you know what? I mean, the one thing I was a little mad at them when I was in Saudi or uh, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, 
for the World <laughs> Cup, I would have a lot of time um, because the clock was so different. Um, you know, the show wasn't starting until 10 or 11 o'clock at night. There would be the games on, obviously. But, like, in the morning, um, you know, it was, the, it was in the middle of the night back home, so I was whatever i'm like oh and it was there was a it was like cyber monday or cyber friday or something like that so i went on and ordered crocs for like everybody on my christmas list <laughs> and it was a veteran move because i basically got it all done however they didn't arrive until like right before christmas and unfortunately two of the pairs weren't there so then i was the heel without the gift that i thought i was going to give him a picture to- what, did you no, give him a I picture? To, I, I had to do a quick uh, a quick pivot to uh, something that I've done many times before, and that's buying gift cards at Sev on Christmas Day. But um, that's why they have all those gift cards there, um, you know, at all those convenience stores. When you need something in a jam, you just pop in there and do it. But long as the story of the story is, the story is uh, Crocs are a great gift. People that got them did like them. And I also bought the Crocs sneakers or sliders that I've worn throughout the summer and have been a great addition. So, uh, yeah, not Spawn, but big Croc guys right here, as is all caps. Kyle, um, all right, we got to get this podcast up. We went a little long today, but uh, big shout out. Great segment with Mike McIntyre, especially that Jets talk at the end. It is, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing what goes down to training camp, preseason, talking about it, and then. Um, being there in Calgary uh, Wednesday, October 11th for the first game of the season. And, of course, we'll have a bunch of special uh, content kicking back to Winnipeg for Winnipeg Sports Talk then as well. Huge thanks to all of our sponsors, everyone that joined us today in the chat. Um, Some funny things in the chat, Remo. Did you see the SK versus SK battle? Apparently people were freaked out that... SK was in on a blue without a microphone, and then we found out there was in fact two SKs, a fake it's SK, cr- a, cor- a I mean, crazy it's stuff. It's crazy stuff here, Hus. Yeah, uh, impersonating chatters will get you uh, the boot, so don't do that. And we did have another SK come in briefly. Had his name stylized the same way. Uh, this big, a lot of Spider-Man memes being thrown out in the chat, Hus. Oh God, this is funny. I'm actually just looking at these croc, uh, these croc um, uh, takes here. Um, Nicole J, you can try to resist crocs, but everyone comes around. I did too. Oh, for sure. I mean, they're uh, well. Yin Vivian, steel-toed shoes better for lawn mowing. I guess if you're, I guess if you are in, um, you know, where some situation where you might be slamming something on your foot, yeah, you know, get the boots, but. The Crocs. Once you, once you, uh, once you, once you accept the Croc life, your life is a lot better. That's all. I, that's all I can tell you, folks. I mean, you can try to hold out. You can try to be a hater if you are, and that's what you guys are. Be a haters. It's not good to be a hater. It's good to be. It's good to have an open mind. Yeah. Try everything, and once you do, I can pretty much tell you. I know so many people are like, "Oh, Crocs are ridiculous. Who would wear them?" And then they get them, are like, "God damn, these are the best." Now, I'm not saying wear them to the bomber game or the hockey game, but there certainly is a, a place in everyone's life for a good pair of Crocs. Anyways, talk about this for a long time. We got to get the pod up. Thanks to Mike McIntyre, John Hodge as well. Ken Weeb tomorrow will join us from the Tamarack 
So we'll get an update on how he's doing out there at the tournament. Look forward to hitting a bunch of Jets off-season talk. And NFL fans, I know there's been talk about a pool or something like that. We'll figure it out. Um, hopefully, maybe something for the upcoming NFL season. But we will have some NFL fantasy content coming up. Andy McNamara is going to join us. And we're going to line up some training camp and preseason reports from teams around the league in the next couple weeks as well. That's going to do it. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have a great Tuesday night. And we will see you tomorrow, 1 p.m., right here on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 